Ladies and gentlemen, we're here at Real Deal Talk with my guy. So far out of all my guests, I think he, this might be the one that I've actually known the longest. Keith Gallo, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, that name is synonymous with the crime family, the Gallows. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. All right. So not that he was in the crime family, but it's the lineage goes back, right? All right. So anyway, I Keith, believe so. Keith Gallo. And, and you're actually from Jersey, right? Yeah, I was, bo- I was born in uh, New Brunswick, right outside okay, Rutgers. So you're about to watch an interview with two salty 50, 51-year-old dogs here. Jersey boys. We're about to chop this up, guys. So to get seat, put, put the seatbelts on, turn on the volume in the car, because this is going to be freaking comedy. This is gonna, we're gonna, and we're going to share a testimony from a man, Keith, that has never he has never shared before fully. Maybe you, I think you've, been, you've given some bits and pieces, right? Well, I did H and I's and all that. Uh, um, speaking of people in jails, yes. prisons, and stuff okay. like that. But. but the whole story in one shot has never been shared. It's never, not even close. Not even close. So, guys, strap in. This one's going to be a freaking doozy. And, and, j- and just have an open mind, people. Just. <laughs> Just have an open mind, people. If you don't have an open mind, you're going to want to tune out right now. Yeah. Go ahead and turn off the thing and, yeah. and, and put on, uh, who should they put on instead? <laughs> Anybody but these two. Anybody. <laughs> All right. So, Keith, um, we're, we're in, we've known each other. So, I think we met mid to late 90s, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Uh, 93, 94, 95 down in, uh, I think it was at Schooners and PB. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Is that place still there? <laughs> I think you and Dally shut it down. The, the first memory I have of you, the first memory, like the first night I think I ever met you, I'll never, ever, ever forget it. I was standing outside of Moose's, and Sunday night was Moose night. We used to go to Moose Mill yes. McGillicuddy's down in Pacific Beach. Shout yep. out to my, 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 my dogs have been, you know, way back in the day. That's my first memory of you, okay? First memory is, and he was Jack. Look at, look at his pipes. He's 51. Look at his pipes. He's got massive arms, this guy. And he, he's always a big dude. So I'm back- retired. That's all I got left. <laughs> or the arms. <laughs> the arms. <laughs> That's all you need, bro. That's all you I need. You just need the tank top That's muscles. It. That's arms, it. shoulders, you're good. The show me's. That's The show me's. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Exactly. See? This, you guys are learning something here. All, my, my first memory is standing outside of Moose's, kind of late night, and it was, you know, it was, it was mayhem back then. And all I remember is Keith coming, running from, it. I think at that point it was like, the, it was us, it was uh the tavern tavern on the corner coming from tavern in a like in a in a hysterical like something was got wrong and keith had just blasted somebody like he had just probably because he was a he just loved fighting back in that this is the first night i ever met the guy and he's he's out there blasting people <laughs> throwing punches because somebody somebody like said something to your to, to your girl at the yeah, time of course <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what happened? Dude, somebody rolling up on my girl, bro. <laughs> and he was we gotta go, we gotta go. They're coming after me now. So yeah. that was my first memory of you. Yeah, of course. Get in a fight outside a tavern, blasting somebody and and then I take- wish I wish I could deny it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me, now that I got that little excerpt of how we met. Yeah. Um and but we've known each other kind of off and on. We've come full circle here and there. So to be quite frank, even though we've known each other for a long time, I don't know. Really, your story. I mean, I know a little bit here and there. I heard about it along the way because you guys were uh, doing your thing. You and a couple of our other cronies mm-hmm. were doing your thing as I was doing my thing. So we kind of 
we didn't part ways, but we just didn't see each other a lot for a while. No, I got I went <laughs> I went ahead and got married and had a uh, had my first son Anthony. Yeah, yeah, okay. the, in '96. So we yes we parted ways until I opened up the restaurant. Until you opened up the restaurant. Yeah. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do now, bro, because everybody knows we're, we're we're going back. Okay, we're going back to childhood. Give give it to me. Born and raised in Jersey. Yeah, I was born. Tell uh, me about the childhood life. I was born in a. Uh, in uh, New Brunswick, for you, for those of you don't know, uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey is famous for Rutgers University. Yes. The train stops, the train picks up there, takes you into the city. W- when I was two, we moved out to uh, to Flemington for oh, a company. Yeah. yeah, so I lived on a uh, dude. I had a great childhood. I yeah. lived on a farm, ch- pigs, chickens, steers, quarter horses. My dad was always around. My mom was always around. Yeah, she still is today. Um, but as I got older. You know, I was into the sports. I was in everything, and I was set. I had a great group of friends. You know, friends are different out there than they are out they here. They are. You yeah, know that. One hundred percent. Okay. Um, with that being said, everything. Give, hold on. Sum that up for people watching and listening. Why well, would you say they're different? Oh well, a friend out there. Are you kidding me? The front door is always open or sleep. But you don't even know if they're your friend or your brother at one point. Right. Yeah. You know, they're part of the family. They're yeah. there on Christmas. They're taking trips with you. Out here, you can lose a friend overnight. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyhow. <laughs> I had a great life. I had a girlfriend. I, I was I was uh, I was excelling in baseball. What age was this? Don't jump too far ahead, bro. Oh, Don't jump dude, too far ahead dude, on me. This is like uh, this is like seven, eight, nine, All right, ten, seven. eleven. Okay. Yeah. So as a child, you, the parents yeah. were they loved you. They were together. The parents had it was a great household. Grandparents were involved. My mom was involved. My dad was involved. He brothers was, and sisters. Give me brothers yeah, and sisters. Well, I got an older brother, uh, Michael, and then I got a younger sister, uh, Heather. We're all within two or three years apart. Okay, and yeah. you got along with your siblings. Yeah, I got along with my siblings. For the most part? Well, of course I did. Or I'm, uh, my dad, you know, my dad handled that, you know. Yeah. We well, all had to get along. Well, but, Un- unlike today. Yeah, what, what do you mean he handled it? Like, well, well, what was the discipline like back in the day? Oh, it's real simple. He it, took the watch off <laughs> and the garage door closed. And you were in there with him. And one of you was coming back in. It wasn't me. <laughs> For, For years. Yeah. You do that now, it's a term. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me what would happen. Did he just just beat you with a belt? What was it? What yeah, was it? it was the, it was a horse switch. It was a horse switch. It was a horse switch, or 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 it was his open hand. It was a or it was an open hand slap by the old man. Yeah, by the old man. Yeah, then he never did it again. So basically, what he would do is like we're talking like he'd be behind closed doors. He'd yeah, make sure there were no witnesses in the garage or the basement. In the basement. Yeah, these kids now out here better thank God they don't have a basement because I was in there a lot. <laughs> Yeah, the basement you were going not to come back. Yeah, and remember we started this. He said he had a great childhood, by the way. Yes, I did. So, but this is called discipline. Yeah. So, which... it, so it, it, it led to the '80s, and then in the '80s, I saw my dad less and less. You know, and and I didn't know what he was doing because I, I was involved with snowmobile. You know, the yeah. seasons. Did, did you did you race BMX at Flemington? No, I did not. Wow. I, uh, I did not. We went because uh, I raced there. We we had the farm, so we were doing the tractor pulls. We yeah. were doing. My dad was raising quarter horses. We yeah. were go, we were going there. The bull, the the rope and the the cattle and all that. We were doing all that. Yeah, wow. So uh, I never got in it, but we did race. Uh, we did race snowmobiles in the uh, yeah in the winter. Anyhow, yeah. So it was always sports. You know, uh, down in um. Uh, down at Glassboro State, I, I excelled at baseball, so I was going to camp every. We were going to Wildwood down yeah. the shore. We all had a shore home. Yep, of course. And everything was great. You know, my my girlfriend's family lived right around the corner in Flemington. Now, so. what age do you have a girlfriend already? Uh, 
me and Susan were together from 11, from when I was 11 till I left, till the day I left. So, so 11 was years. your first uh, yeah, 11, girlfriend, 12, you think? Yeah, 11, 12 years old. You know, you meet at the water fountain and you hug. The water fountain. Yeah, remember? Hey, I'm going to go to this class. You go to this class. We'll meet at, uh, when the clock strikes two, we'll go to the water fountain. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um all right, so now give, give me something else. So what sports did you start playing right away early uh, on? I played baseball and I played football. What about I, wrestling? You didn't wrestle? No, I never wrestled. Really? No, I never wrestled. Huh. No. I would think you'd be a wrestler. Uh, baseball for me was, was when the snow melted all the way into the snow fell. Because I went to I went yeah. to uh, I was going to Glassboro State to do the camp over the summer. Right. That was a month thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Pete Rose was there. Rick yeah. Cerrone was there. Chris Chan Rick was Cerrone. There. Yeah, remember that? People don't know. Dude, do, do, do you remember watching the the old school Yankee games in Yankee Stadium? Is there oh, any dude. better memory? Never. I just I actually just got goosebumps Never. all over my and freaking I, body. Yeah, Thurman Munson was my favorite. Ricky player. Henderson. Yeah, dude. Dave Winfield. Dave Winfield. Yeah. Palulo, Pags. Remember Pags? Yeah, of course, Pags. The lineup. Willie Randolph, Bucky Dent, Craig Nettles. Don Mattingly. Come on, we could sit here forever. Go down the list. This is a whole other podcast. We could do do the whole lineup. (laughs) I remember that freaking lineup. You'd have to hit, you have to go to Mattingly, Pags. Yes. Clean up batter, Winfield. I love it. Oh, dude. It was was amazing times. And my dad was going (laughs) to a lot of the games. I didn't go because... You know, uh, going to the Bronx back then, it was it was tough. A, oh, little, yeah. kid, a little kid can't oh, yeah. couldn't go. There. People rough. have no idea. Yeah, as soon as you got off the Deegan's Parkway, you're it's a war zone. Yeah, it was, it was like every man for himself. So to I get didn't to get game. to go to a lot of the playoffs game, but I did go to a lot of regular season. Uh, my dad got tickets all the time. We had tickets. Uh, my cousin, my uh, my uncle, and my dad split uh, uh, Meadowland tickets for the Giants. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I was going to uh, two games a year, and. Uh, yeah, dude, dude, life life was great, man. Yeah. I, it was, and then, uh, yeah, and then so you, eleven, twelve. You met, you got the girl going. Yeah, okay. and then uh, the <clears throat> that was the eighties. So 80s. we're into the eighties. We're into the eighties because yeah. you were born in and seventy, seventy one, seventy two. Yeah, I was born in seventy one, July of uh, yeah, seventy one. Okay. Now, now, unless you've been living under a rock, you know the the beginning of the eighties was the, you know, was the drug. Uh, oh yeah, it, it was. It was. It was ridiculous. Even yeah. as a kid, you knew. Yeah. So uh, I saw. I started seeing my dad less and less, and him and my mom always going at it, and the clothes uh, in the front yard, clothes are in the backyard. You know, it, it was nuts. What, kicking him out, like saying but you're my, out of here. But my dad, a lot of people don't understand. My dad was my hero, man. And so yeah. he could do no wrong. Right. So my my outlook on it was, I'll sit at the window till eight in the morning, waiting for my dad to come home. As long as he came home, it didn't matter. Yeah. So I did that as a kid, and my, what age was that, dude? That was uh, well. I know exactly when it was. It was when I turned thirteen. Yeah, I never saw the old man. He was gone all the so time. So it happened right about twelve thirteen is yeah, when that right, started happening. Yes, right is when I needed him the most because he he wasn't coaching me anymore. Mm. I was going into I was going in the Babe Ruth League. Yes, so I was going I was going to other people to perform at sports, and I didn't have him, but I needed him. You know, yeah. in other ways. So, but he had coached you up to that point. Oh, he had right? coached me on up to, in Pop Warner, in baseball, in, in pretty much everything. Snowmobile riding, taught me about the horses, everything. But, yeah. And so, what was? Did he explain to you? Say, hey, I can't coach anymore, or did just not? No, it was. Uh, it was. He just disappeared. He, he disappeared, just disappeared, and he was doing what he was doing. We didn't. We, me and my brother and sister, we had no idea. My mom knew, but she didn't say anything. I think my grandma knew. I didn't say. Any, she didn't say anything. But uh, so we just went plugging along. And Italian families, divorce isn't the first thing on the Correct. table. Everybody just doesn't turn to divorce. Yeah, you make it work. You make it work. You make it. Work. Well, so were you asking questions like to mom? Say, mom, what's going on here? No, she, dude, I was totally committed to my dad. Yeah. 
and we were like, he could do no wrong. No, he could do no wrong. And he was doing wrong, but in my eyes, he could do no wrong. Right. Of course. So I was caught up in that and it broke my mom's spirit, man. It it broke her. She, I couldn't see what she was seeing, but was I supposed to at that age? Mm. Was I supposed to, was I supposed to figure that out? Yeah. So uh, he would come home periodically, and he'd come home with a bag of cash, and he'd take us to uh, he'd take us to the Flemington Circle uh, Sneakers Plus, yeah, and we could get whatever we wanted. <clears throat> yeah, me, my brother, my sister, my my best friend Digger, we'd get whatever we wanted, and that was okay. Yeah, and then he'd be home for a couple nights. He'd make some crazy dinners. We'd do a pig in the backyard. We'd do a lobster, uh, yeah. lobster boil. You remember oh, yeah. those? Yeah, yeah. And everything was great. Went swimming, but then he but then he was gone. He disappeared. How he'd long disappear. would he disappear for? Well, it turned, you know, in, in hindsight, he had a he had a place in New York that I kind of knew about. Yeah, I, I might have even been there a couple times. I yeah. don't know, deep into the city, and then he had another place, and then another place, and then we were always going to Florida. He bought a place in uh, in Boca. What did he do for a living? That he he was, was a hairstylist. He owned a hairstyling shop. A shop. Yeah, he owned a shop. But every time I went there, there was nobody ever getting their haircuts. So mm. it was just like mm. so in the Ferran Mall in Brunswick. It's a big deal. The yes. Fire Mall is the first, yeah. the first triple-decker yeah. mall that was built there. So was he bringing in that much money doing hair? Yeah. I, mm. Yeah, I didn't know, and I didn't ask because, again, yeah, you could do no wrong. that's my guy. Yeah, that's my guy. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, put, put, put me to bed. That's gone. I'm arguing with my mom because she's throwing him out. My grandma doesn't want to talk about it. See, you're going there, and there's always that, that conflict. So I gravitated more towards my grandma, and I winded up spending a lot of my early teens with my, with my grandma. Yeah. I winded up going there because yeah. I couldn't deal. So, uh, I mean, I well, don't know how, how far, far you want to jump ahead. She lived, in White, she lived in White House, which is about five, six miles from where I live. Yeah. Yeah. And did, what, mom was okay with that? Yeah, mom was okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, my grandma's the best. She she had pa- she passed last March, but uh she was the best. She was sent from uh she was sent from heaven, dude. Yeah, you're, she you're was the best. Your guardian angel. Yeah, she's the best. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh so so we proceeded down that road and thing you know, things get volatile. Things get things get bad. Yeah. And 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 my older brother starts hating. He hates me for liking my dad. He hates my dad, period. And then my sister, she doesn't know any better. She's three years younger, but I'm protecting her. So I'm in a role now that I'm not supposed to be in. Yeah, at this young age. And it's called trauma. It's the beginning of the trauma. Trauma. I'm asked to take care of this little girl. Yeah. But that's not my job. My job is to play baseball, to have the girlfriend. Yeah. Right? Have fun. Yeah. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Yeah. As, as, a, as a preteen and then a teen. That's right. So that's when the trauma started. So I can pinpoint it at 11, almost 12, and then definitely 13 and 14. And then the, and then the hammer falls. And then now, the hammer falls. Have therapists? Have you met with therapists? No, I haven't met with anybody. But, you, but, but JD, remember, you don't do that. Yeah. It's an Italian family. That's correct. You don't go knock on somebody's door and pay them to, to deal with your stuff. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's sacrilege. <laughs> so, 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 and I don't mean to laugh, folks. If you have a therapist, that's not the point. Here. No, it's just not. What the point is is Keith is hilarious to me, and yeah. his take and the way he puts things. That's why I'm laughing. Well, the I'm reason you're laughing at therapy. Well, the reason you're laughing is because it's in the early '80s. It's not early now. '80s yes. Italian family. Yes, and Italian families, East Coast Italian. Yeah. It's a whole nother freaking ball game. It is. It's a. It's a. It's, it's a whole nother set of rules. It, it is. It is hands down. Yeah. So. So, so you're, you're, you're stuck there and then the hammer falls and you get the, and you get to meet, we're moving to California. And what age, what age were you at this point? Well, I just know the wood burning stove was going. Remember those? Heat yeah. the whole house. Oh, yeah. I just remember that's going. And I remember there's snow out 
And then yeah. I just remember yeah, yeah. him saying, listen, we're looking, we're looking to move and we're going to do it in the summer of this year. And then my mind starts racing. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm playing Babe Ruth. I'm playing with kids older and than Babe me. Babe Ruth, by the way, it's funny that you mentioned this because yesterday my mom and I had a conversation. Yeah. And she says, well, what was the league after Little League? I go, it was Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. It's the first time I've heard that terminology. And then you say it immediately the next day. It's crazy, huh? Yeah, that's well, the next level of baseball ju- for just so East people, Coast. Yeah, just so <clears throat> people understand. Yeah. It was made so you can play with kids older than you. Nowadays, because of, because of uh, insurance purposes, you can't jump leagues. You you can't be twelve and play with sixteen year olds. You can, but back then you could. Yeah. So they put it. So they put in the Babe Ruth League, yes. which allowed me at thirteen to be playing with fifteen if right. I could hang. Correct. If I couldn't, I got sent back down. Exactly. So uh, so we were did Danelle and We were doing all the tournaments. So yep. so I'm there, and I got the girl, and I got the I got the the snowmobile. I got I got everything I ever wanted. I le- I've already learned to drive. I'm plowing snow. I'm doing yep. all this stuff, and. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm moving to California. I, I mean, where's California? I just know it was a, it was our stop when we were going to Maui when I was a kid, when yeah. we were going to Hawaii. That's all you know. So I was like, are you kidding me? So yeah, so uh, we, we moved. We moved in August uh, 1984. We got, it's so funny, dude. I mean, you told me to, what, my, I just remember my dad saying, I'm sending your sister, your brother, your grandma, and your mom on a plane, but, but I can't get on a plane. <laughs> So, oh. so so I'm driving. Did you say you too? Oh, so I'm driving. Oh, 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 yeah. So he couldn't get on the plane. So so I just oh, know boy. there was a lot of turmoil that whole summer, mm. and then August finally hit. And so we, you drove with him in the car. So I drove with them, my cousins, and again, your family is outside. Of, so I had my my best friend's brother go with us. There was like seven of us because we had to get two cars out, we had yeah. to get a trailer out, we had to get the U-Haul out. So we packed up. And, and just hold on, hold on. Let, let me just break this down for yeah. a second here. Out of the freaking blue, he says we're moving to California. Out of Where the, did this come from? Out Where, of the blue. What grade were you in? Did you was it at the end of a school Dude, year? Was I was it going school year. I was going eighth to. I was going eighth to. to this high was school. the big time. You, you don't going, ever do that. No, you never, no, never. Dude. Not when you're coming. That into the summer high school. was supposed to be the greatest. That's it. All your friends. That's the beginning of a book right there. Dude, and then I, all your friends. Uh, Van Halen fifty one fifty album. I've already talked to the baseball. I've, yeah. I've already right? talked. I've already talked to the baseball coach. I'm yeah. gonna start on the high school. I've already done uh, clinics and camps, and my girls there. And uh, dude, I already had a ride to school. I, I, dude, it was, Guns and Roses yeah, is playing. Dude, Kiss was torn Kiss. everywhere. Oh, come on, dude. It was if, you're, if you're in the '80s, in Hundred and Central High School, that's where I should have went. Coming into that high, coming into high school, it was about fifty one fifty album Van Halen, Guns and Roses. Yeah. Go down the list, bro. It was crazy, you, and you had to complain. Brian Adams. Come Brian on, man. Adams. Come on, dude. Come on. You two. You yeah. two was in there. Come on, that throw it in a little right. bit. Yeah, you two was all yeah, right. Yeah, we had a little bit of the U2 going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, nobody, the, the, anybody sub-40 doesn't know it. No, nah, they don't know what about. we're talking about. Their playlist was way different. Yeah, way different. Yeah. They, they got involved when it was like, uh, what, what was it back Well, the 90s Pearl was crap. Jam. The re- Pearl 90s Jam. was crap. Yeah, Pearl, Pearl was all right, yeah, but Pearl the rest of it, yeah. yeesh. Anyway, anyway, all right. So, 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 but you finished the eighth grade. He at least waited till you finished the school yeah, year. Yeah. So, so that was his. Plan. What did you say? Were you like what? Well, well, what can you? What, can what did you, your friends say? What when can you, when you they say? Heard you were oh, they, they were devastated, man. De- devastated because the friendships you made back east. Again, I'm going yes. to refer. Are way different than the friendships. I agree. You, you make I agree because I'm still to this day. My friends were devastated. My best friend, he came with me. He stayed with me until school started. Uh, 
back then it used to start, remember the day after, what's yeah. it, Labor Day? Labor Day, yeah. yeah. So he stayed with me and then he went back out and then he came back every year or I went back there. Yeah. But yeah, we moved out. We moved to Rancho Bernardo right down That the, uh, in itself is majorly traumatic. Just that's uprooting the, you right before your heyday. Well, that's why my story is, is so simple at the beginning because the trauma started and I know exactly when it did. Yeah. And it, so it's easy for me to pinpoint, you know, all this, every, everything had to happen the way it did for me to be sitting here. But at least I know, I know where it started. Right. You yeah. know, and I, and I didn't want that for, mm. you know, and getting, you know, later on in this conversation, I'll get to, I didn't want that for my kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so, so he couldn't fly. He couldn't fly. Dude. And we're going to come back around to that later. So, right. Yeah. So we head out on the highway 40, six Six Mama Lukes on the on the forty dude head. <laughs> My viewers and watchers, they know when I because you hear me say Mama Luke yeah, all the time. Just six Mama Lukes heading on Mama the forty. Luke's. I just remember being in Tennessee, thinking that state's never going to end. That's the- you got to go bell to bell in that state. We were there a day. <laughs> Oh my God! It was crazy. Hey, JD, it was crazy. You actually remember that specific? Oh, detail. dude, I remember getting a needles desert and, and all. I'm looking around and there's just desert. That, that's not back east. No, come on, no. man. That was green back there. Yeah, dude. So people don't realize that Jersey. It's called the Garden State for a reason. Yes, it's it all is. green. Yes, it's all green, and you got all the seasons, man. And one, and then you got different clothes. You got it, dude. I got my hair parted down the middle, and I got a flannel. <laughs> I got a flannel on. So did I. Are you kidding? Yeah, down the, the right down the middle. And I'm in Needles Desert, and I'm Flannel in Needles boots. Desert looking around going, what, what, what am I doing? And, and I'm thinking it's just all ocean and palm trees, but it ain't. Uh-uh. So, yeah, so we get to California in uh, late August of... Uh, of t- and you uh, ride to, you said Ranch Bernardo? Yeah, we moved to... Uh, what made him pick San Diego? Listen, listen, my dad bought a model home because we couldn't bring any of the stuff. We didn't even sell our home in Jersey, <laughs> dude. We just left it, and we, we left it to a realtor. It didn't sell for another year and a half. Are you kidding no, me? No, you can't sell homes out there. Like, like, only a few people can afford a hor- you know, a horse ranch with yeah. a p- p- in the ground pool. I mean, it was on three and a half acres yeah. in 1984. Yeah. So my dad couldn't sell it, but we had to get the hell out of there. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. So anyway, and we you, get and out I here. I hope we're going to get to the point where you realize why he had to get the hell yeah, out of there. Yeah, well, of oh, course God, I, I can't did. can't wait. Uh, caddy informed golf. I'll tell you what, he explained it all to me. What? Yeah. What, wait, wait, what did you say? Caddy what? I, I would caddy for him. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this story hits close to home here because my dad, when, when we moved out here, by uh, we moved out in 84. By 87, he had a job here at uh, Claremont Mesa Ford. Really? It's now Kearney Mesa Ford. Right down the road. There, right down the road. My, my childhood was spent on this road. My, uh, my teens were spent on this road because uh, I was working there. I was detailing cars there. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, that's for that's for later. But uh, yeah, we uh, yeah, my dad bought a model home because we didn't have time to look for homes. So he just came. You remember model homes? Yes. There was like four. Yeah. Yeah. So he bought the one. It fully furnished, and we just kept that. Yeah. So we just moved. I couldn't even bring any of my stuff. Nothing. No. You get the hightail out of there. We hightailed it. Smoke trails. H- hightailed it. Asses and elbows. Yes. Six of us. Six of us. <laughs> anyway, so, and elbows. So we make it to Rancho Bernardo and uh, a, a nice little community. Everybody's skating around. Dude, I was way... Hey, listen. you. <laughs> it was like you plopped me in a place I didn't belong. Like yeah. I said, hair parted down the middle, feathered. Feathered. I, I, got, a, I got a guinea tea on with a thermal. Dude, come on, man. <laughs> feathered. I used to go to... And I went to school mm. on Mount Carmel. And the reason my dad says the reason we chose Rancho Bernardo, because um, I don't know if I don't know what year you got out here or, or, or what you know 90. about us uh, sports and um 
in uh, Rancho Penasquitas, but Mount Carmel was the best yeah. high school baseball team around. They're phenomenal. And Coach Blaylock was there, and you know him. Yeah. He, he's, oh, yeah, he's, he's the t- top uh, baseball coach voted in America. Yeah. High school baseball. Yeah. Well, uh, his son went on to play for the Rangers and the Yanks. But anyway, um, so he was there. And so I went and met with him. He's like, hey, are you a pissant? I remember that. Are you a pissant? He I, said, you're a pissant? He, sa- he said, are you? Because I had to make the team. Yeah. And he looks at me and he says, are you going to be the pissant I need? And that's the guy who goes, gets everything. Fully dirty, uh-huh. runs everything out, bunts, squeeze, you know, everything. And I, and I answered, yeah, I am. And he gave me a, he gave me a spot on the roster, man. I just, a new kid moved like basically in. a utility player. Yeah. AKA. Yeah. These kids are, gro- the kids on the squad were groomed to play for Mount Carmel because they lived here. Yeah. They did all the travel. They right. did, they did all that. The yeah. camps. Yeah. I did all that back in New Jersey. Right. So I made the team and, uh, and every, everything was good on that regard. But I, I was, uh, I was out of place, man. I was out of sorts. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to be the Guinea, the Guinea kid from from new jersey because there was no other guinea kids from new jersey yeah, yeah. so it was just me i used to go home from school and cry yeah. cr- every, every day I, matter of fact jd when when school was over i got on a plane and went back to new jersey and stayed with my best friend for really? for, for all the whole summer yeah and then I, you know you get homesick because you're an italian kid with the family i get homesick i want to come home so <clears throat> so you didn't so right away did you make any friends on the baseball team did you yeah, make- of co- of co- yeah of course dude everybody was cordial everybody was nice you know that's a fraternity yeah you know and, and i fit in and and, and, and man I, I mean i guess but it was just a culture shock there's a, a lot of filipino uh yeah. descent here oh yeah in rancho penasquitas yep. and then um the town I lived in had the Westwood Club um, in Rancho Bernardo, and I, I played tennis there. I I I, uh, I went in the pool there. They had a big high dive. I remember the big uh, the big diving board. You know, yep. the, the, yeah. So I made a lot of friends there, and everything was good. Man, we got into a little stuff. Everybody rode bikes, and then behind uh, Lake Ho- Lake Hodges had water in it then. So we'd go down there fishing, and we had eight. We had two ATCs. We drove them back there. It's all houses now. Yeah. But, uh, everything was good. So did but, you leave your girlfriend behind? Yeah, I left my girlfriend. That was that was hard. Yeah, yeah. I remember with the boombox. Remember the boombox. The, boom the night box. before oh I left, I'm on, I'm on Locust Road. It's a dirt you road, did one of those. and I got run to you on it by Brian Adams, and she's walking with me. I'm walking her home. Oh my god! And I dropped her off, and then I got the and then I got to walk home with my boombox with uh, Brian Adams playing. Yeah, like something out of a movie. Yeah, like the movie. What was yeah. the movie again? Where he, what's the guy that has the, the oh, say any say, say anything. anything come on with the trench <laughs> say anything I got that on my uh, playlist now are you, are you kidding me your eyes was that yeah, in, the, uh, in your eyes <laughs> the light the heat oh my <laughs> god you guys don't know nothing about this. no they don't they don't uh, all right all right so you're out here your baseball team you're coming home you're crying every day so you remember yeah. coming home just crying you were miserable yeah, just out of just out it of wasn't sorts. like that like i didn't go in, i didn't go in a room and so i just whenever i would talk yeah I, it would always be why 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 do i got to be out here why and and, the, and then that's anger and, yeah. the, and then that's trauma right oh right. of course that's so that's every, every little bit is traumatic so just keep track of the trauma category yeah. so now and your I'm, mom's out here yeah, my mom's out here. She got a paralegal job. She went on to work with the, work for the same attorney in Oceanside for 38 years. She wow. retired four years ago. Wow. So she was there. She had a job. My dad was <laughs> so funny. My dad is um, my dad keeps getting these envelopes in the mail, and he's not working. So I guess you know he was still getting money sent to him. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. Yeah. That's another. That's another question. But anyway, so uh, so he's doing that, and then uh. I, I'm going to school. I, gra- I, I get uh, straight A's, uh, ninth grade. Next year, I make the baseball team again. Yeah. 
And then I'm starting to fit in now, but I'm starting to fit in with the wrong people. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So I'm starting to transition into, all right, this is cool, hanging out after school, not going home, yeah. you know, not crying, not bitching. Yeah. But I fell in with the wrong people, yeah. you know. And, you know, no names, n- nothing like that. But uh, I started smoking a little weed. Yeah. And then there's the beginning. This was 15, 16. Yeah. You're talking about a kid, just so people know that are listening, you're talking a kid to, you're talking about a kid, Keith Gallo. I didn't even know what weed was, dude. Wow. I never even seen it in yeah. New Jersey. Yeah. And that's pretty that's pretty hard to do. I mean, all the way through your fourteenth year, that's you know very similar yeah. to my hometown too. That that's crazy. Which is odd. That's Out odd here odd. they got fentanyl at eleven. Yeah, at eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Putting it in a candy, putting it yes. in a thing. So so I didn't even know what, what any of that stuff was. So I would go to school, I'd go to baseball, and then after baseball was over, I'd go smoke weed. But with that comes, instead of going home and meeting at the table and talking to your mom and dad, where do you go? You go right to your room yeah. and hope they don't say your name because yeah. you're high. Yeah. Okay. So then, that, so then that leads, so then by the end of sophomore year, my grades dipped, dipped, because that's all, that's all part of it. Yep. And then uh, I didn't want to play baseball anymore. Oh. So that hits the parents. Like, did I did I do it to get back of back yeah, at them? Right. Probably, right? Yeah. And then I did uh and then I started doing the crank. But What's I didn't crank. The the crystal. So you started doing crystal. You yeah. went right from weed. Yeah, I went right from weed to crystal. In, in the summer <laughs> of almost almost junior year. In the summer. Yeah. You remember everybody went to La Jolla, everybody went to Torrey Pines, the bonfires, the grunion runs. Do you remember any of that stuff? Yes. Okay. The, what's the big uh, cross up there? In, uh, oh, yeah. Helix, Mount Helix. Yeah. Okay. Right. We used to go there and spend all night, you know, and then n- not coming home and then sneak. And so talk, go back, though. How did, how did you transition? How did the... So smoking weed, well, and then re- it was somebody at the party. Hey, try this too. Well, it's re- well, it's real easy, and it's not a phenomenon, and it's not like oh my, dude, you're 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 stoned. You're sitting there, right? Yeah. You're sitting there in a corner. You eat a bag of sour cream and onion chips, and then everybody <laughs> wants to go to PB or or, or Helix or Tor- and you're tired. Yeah. So somebody has a line, so you yeah. just do the line. Yeah. Yeah. It was no awakening. I didn't go to some tunnel and buy some. Oh, yeah. I just did it. Yeah, there it is. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. And so then, now I'm awake and now I'm at Torrey Pines doing doing. And it wasn't paddle. blow. It was crystal meth. Yeah, it was crystal. I think it was. It, w- it wasn't called that. It was called crank though. Crank. Okay. Crank. Yeah. Yellow and mustardy. Like. Yeah, which is basically meth. Yeah, so exactly back yeah. then. Back then. Okay. Yeah. So so we're in, uh, we're in 88. So I do it. And then your weight, your weight goes... Yeah. Your personality goes, you start wearing, you start talking like, like who's, the, you just become, you become a stranger in your own home yeah. and then you alienate. Well, getting back, uh, I, I told you it all makes sense. Getting back to the family dinners, you know, yeah. how you grew up. Those are, those are no more because you're right. not present at the table. Correct. So your parents aren't, your parents don't all of a sudden become dumb. Yeah. I want all your kids to know that out there. We're, we're not dumb. Yeah. But they don't want to see it because you're their baby. You're their yeah. child. You're their baseball phenom. You're the kid. You're the middle kid. Yeah. Everybody loves Keith. And they just couldn't see it. But you're crying out for help. The trauma's there. I mean, you know why I did it. Anybody listening for the last 20 minutes knows why I started doing that. I just didn't fit in. Yeah. I was stuck here. And I didn't want to be here. So how, what's the best way not to want to be here? You get high. You, get, you escape. You escape. But it becomes daily. So the grades go... So the end of junior. How bad the grades get? Uh, well, I still, I think I still got by because I, I graduated. I, I took my, I wanted up taking my GED. That'll make, that'll explain to you what I was doing on Claremont Mesa Boulevard. I, uh, at the end of junior year, instead of go back to the school 
and, and just live this nightmare. I wasn't playing sports anymore, so yeah. why so why go to school? So you quit junior year? No, so I made it through junior year and I passed. Okay, Me- meaning uh, baseball. Squid- when did you, when you stop baseball? So I stopped baseball. I didn't try out for junior gotcha. year. Gotcha. So I stopped after sophomore. Yeah. Okay. And I got in a few games. My mom came, saw me, all that stuff. So so I got that to hold on to. Um, so then at the end, between junior and, and senior year, my parents, my dad's working at Kearney Mesa Ford now as a general salesman or GSM over here down yep. the street. And he decides to put, instead of dealing with me and talking to me and figuring out what's going on, he, they just put me in Scripps McDonald Center, the rehab for 60 days. So between- So ju- they knew you were doing drugs. Oh, yeah. They knew I was doing drugs. To to the extent of it, no. And to the sneaking out and all that, no. But they knew that Keith wasn't Keith anymore. Yeah. And I say that not not to make myself sound great. I just want people out there to realize that the kid who you think is the greatest ball, he could... He could be having trauma. Right. He could be having problems. He could problems. be going through stuff. Yeah, between his ears, of course. Of like, course. I, I, I had a guest a couple weeks ago, Jeff, and it's a very similar story, quite frankly. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was the overlying thing. And he he's a specimen. He's ripped. He looks like a million bucks. And he yeah. said, J.D., this can happen to anybody. Anybody. No matter how strong of a mind yes. you have. Yes. It's so you powerful. You don't know how many times, <clears throat> uh, fast forward a little bit to my kids, you don't know how many times... In the last five years, my kids have sat in the baseball room I have, my Yankee room, and said, Dad, why does this guy keep doing steroids if he's going to be excommunicated out of baseball? Yeah. And I look at him and I say, because he's addicted. Yeah. ESPN isn't going to tell you that. Right. CNN's not going to tell you that. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you the reason they don't stop with millions of dollars at stake. Yeah. Your legacy, yeah. your Hall of Fame status at yeah. stake, they still do it because they're addicted to it. Right. And that's why. So I, I go to the McDonald's Center, I get out, and I think, I th- you know. So were you in denial at that point, like you had a problem when they said, hey, you're going to rehab? Oh, well, no, rehab. oh no, I'm Keith Gallo, dude. If they're going to send me there, I'm going to excel at, at, at rehab. Did oh. you know you had a problem? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So because- hold on, hold on. Give, give me the extent. Give me give me some details here. This is how I knew. I how had often were you doing crank? Every day? Every no, night? No, no. Week- weekends. Weekends. It, it was a weekend drug, yeah. It was a weekend drug, um, and then... Uh, the weed, the weed was there, but I, I didn't like it. It was almost, it's funny. It's almost, I think I smoke weed to do a line. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And then I did the line so I could drink. It's crazy. So yeah. boom, No, boom, but boom. that's, this is yeah. exactly the way, it, yeah, yeah, it works. So I, so I, uh, so I went to rehab and then, uh, when I get out of rehab, I think I lasted, I don't even know, eight or nine months. I think I stayed sober and I, yeah, rah, 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 key sober. And what age is this? Dude, I'm, uh. Well, I'm 17. 17. I'm 17. God, I didn't know that was your... Yeah, I'm 17 years old. So listen, I'm 17, and then I relapse. And this is the part, this is the part that begins the trauma that's unprecedented in, 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 in today's... Like, people are going to have a hard time with this. Yeah. I start doing drugs again with my dad. He's working at Kearney Mesa Ford in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Okay? Him and my mom are, my mom's always at work. He's always here. Dude, he was making a, a grip of money. Yeah. I mean, all the Chargers were his reps over there. You know, they come and throw the football at the dealerships. Yeah. He's on the roof. He's doing commercials. And he's yeah. just the company car, Mustang, yeah. Yeah. GT. Yeah. You know, the whole, the whole thing. And then he starts selling cars to Cabo. Cabo was starting to be big then. 
You're you're going to the airport instead of taking the the bus into into town with the switchbacks. They would my dad sold them Bronco twos, and the people who landed would use his Bronco twos. So he had to connect. That's as much as I know about it. There's probably you know there's probably um, more verbiage to that, but I I don't know it. I just know that my dad was selling Bronco twos to Cabo. To, to the hotels and everything. And that's how they were getting people to wow. and from. Okay. So, um, so there was parties. There was, there was uh, celebrity golf tournaments. I mean, I was doing stuff at 17 that, that grown adults haven't even done today. Yeah. I'm going to celebrity events. I'm, tra- I'm traveling. I'm going to uh, Holyfield fights in Vegas. I'm meeting my dad at airports and the, uh, on a whim. I'm, I'm flying here. I'm flying to Cabo three years in a row. My dad would do the Bisbee tournament down in Cabo and we would go with him. But, uh, the extent, the extent, and the trauma that has is whoa, dude! I'm 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 getting high with the old man, and it and, so and when did that start? And now the 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 crowd. How did it start? Uh, I believe we were at a golf tournament, man, and my dad had rented out uh, at the DoubleTree right over here. You yeah. know the you know the golf course. They're they're what are they building roads now or something over there? The, the, yeah, the DoubleTree Hotel right uh-huh. over here. Yeah, um, in uh, Penasquitas. Yeah. So I think we were at a golf tournament there, and my dad. Uh, yeah, I started. I was doing lines with him before and after the tournament. Yeah. So that started there. Yeah. So it started. That was there. the first time he said, "Hey, Keith." Yeah. So it was. It was early seventeen years old. Yeah. And and, and so he offered you a line. Yeah. Well, well, every everybody. It wasn't just daddy and son yeah. doing it. Everybody was. Everybody doing, was doing. Yeah. Lines. Oh yeah. Oh, dude. Come on, man. There wasn't a ball player on the planet back then. But Not anyway, doing lines. Yeah. So anyway, so it's the alcohol and that now. No more weed. No more thing. Because I, I I couldn't stand weed. Yes. So it was it was the coke, and to this day that's my that was my drug of choice. Yeah, is cocaine. Yeah. So uh, we're going. So how'd you feel at that point when you're like doing? It was probably like you were thinking it was kind of cool doing well, with your pops. Well, well, at that time I, I got my hero back. I'm I'm hanging with my hero again. Yeah. Now he's now he's the GSM. Now he's got the the thousand dollar suits on. Yeah. And he's back. He's back. The pops is back. Yes. Yeah. So he was dormant for a while. Yeah. And now he's back. Just out of rehab, I get to hang with the old man, you know. Yes. So then I become I become his excuse to get out. Now see if you follow this. My mom's at home, little Italian lady, she's five two, and she's working her tail off, paralegal, taking care of the house, cleaning it, taking care of us, um, raising my daughter, raising my little sister, and uh, he he wants to go out and do shit. But how's he going to do stuff if? You know, it, it's pretty hard to say, yeah, I, I won't be home for two nights. But if he takes his kid with him, yeah, it's okay. It's all Because okay. my mom, my little Italian mom's saying, well, Keithy's with him. Yeah. What, what, what could go wrong? Be fine. Yeah. So, uh, so that's trauma on a whole nother level now. On a whole nother level. So he would take you. Yeah, he would take me on little trips. You know, the Vegas trips, the Scottsdale trips. I would caddy for him. Vegas all the time. I mean, there was times my mom went too. You know, but it it was always it was always me and him. We're back together again. Yeah. You know, we're back instead of being back riding horses and playing baseball and snowmobile. And now we're back partying, yeah. caddying, uh, helping him. He gets so so senior year. I convinced my parents, hey, let me take the GED and go to work with dad. So now I'm getting up in the morning, going to Kearney Mesa Ford and detailing cars and making a grip of money because yeah. I'm detailing everybody that works there. Yeah. You know, who's, who, who's, you're going to make the most money detailing your car, J.D. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm detailing everybody's car there, plus all the cars that got to go in the lot. So I'm there with him. 
I take my GED in, in April of 89. I, I graduate early. I take my high school equivalency GED yep. early. So now okay. I'm done. I got 100% on the test. I'm done. So, uh, so then I'm, work, I'm working with him. And we're going into the, uh, gosh, we're going into the 90s now, the summer of, uh, of, of 1990. And it's just, it's full, full bore head. I, I don't even know how I'm sitting here today. So you just, it just went even further. Oh, dude. Oh. What was the first thing? So you stayed working there. What did you get? Well, I was getting paid by his by his associates. I'm I'm getting paid in drugs. I mean, they're leaving. I'm I'm I'm, I'm detailing their car, and they're leaving bags for me in the. Are you serious? Oh, come on, dude. There wasn't a car salesman in the world not doing. <laughs> come on. <laughs> You're selling thirty units a month. You're not sober. <laughs> You're not. Come on. So yeah, so uh, so they're just leaving bags like of, that's of coke. My, that, that was my payment. Yeah, I'm going to get them lunch. I'm going to Wendy's over here for the frosties. Yeah, come on, the Godfather down here. Yeah, I've eaten out there more times than you, and that's a hard thing to that's do. That's hard. That's hard to do. That's a lot. Yeah. So in the eight, eight, late '80s, early '90s, we were at Godfather's <laughs> all the time. And then what's that place? I think it closed down. What was the place at the end over there? The Prime Rib Shop. But, the, the butcher shop. Yeah, the butcher shop. It's still there. Oh, dude. Hey. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> I, a, I had to go get my old man out of there a dozen times. That place oh, has dude. a reputation. Oh, dude. Come get me. Where are you at? <laughs> Come get me. The red building. The red building. Yeah. I, just, I just go down there and get him. That's what he said, the yeah. red building? Because that's building. right, the side of it is red. Yeah, the red building, dude. That place is shady, oh, dude, dude, as hell. I don't know how it's still standing. Well, it's still standing because it's protected. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Deeply protected. Deeply protected. Yeah, yeah. yeah I ain't going anywhere. So anyway, yeah. Come yo, get me. Well, he's just hammered. Oh, dude, he's hammered women. The whole, the whole nine, dude. Come on, man. So when, mean, you went, when you went on these ex, escapades like to Scottsdale and Vegas, so yeah. there, was, there was obviously women. Oh, yeah. Or he wouldn't have been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, people got to understand, in the, in the 80s and the 90s, you didn't, you didn't do drugs with dudes. You didn't. It, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like that, man. I mean... There's two or three things that are just set in stone. There's there's going to be drugs. There's going to be women, and then there's going to we're going to know everybody. Yeah. If I went to PB, I didn't pay for anything. Not Doesn't that make it easier on the person? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go to Moose's. JD's at the door, and cousin Craig's bartending. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So that's where I am. Every yeah. We were week. we were royalty in the yeah. in PB, and then you start bang, and then you start banging with your old man down there. Oh my! Come God. on, dude. So anyway, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, so we 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 burnt we burnt San Diego, we burnt PB. Uh, we, it's impossible to burn Vegas, but we tried. I mean, it was it, it was nuts, man. Yeah, it was uh, crazy times. And this is eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Did you? Uh, did you? I'm 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 definitely eighteen. Is is uh, that's why I can't I can't elaborate on eighteen. I can't put the sequences together because it was just dude. It was it's too much. Oh my god. It's too much to this day, and I'm of I'm I'm of sound mind and body for 15 years. I still can't piece it together, but I could piece I could piece together the trauma to get me there. Yeah, and then 19. So so 18 years old. I'm you done. Just, we just doing blow every day. My nose was tilted. It was tilted. Tilted. <laughs> tilted. It was never. It was you were always. Yeah, but but what I got into, and I never left was was taking care of my body. Uh, uh, I know I know that sounds moronic, but I was always in the gym. Yeah, we had garage was the speed. Yeah, you were jacked. Yeah, the garage was the speed. I was always, I was always eating. I was always sleeping. But that leads to just a functioning drug addict. Correct. That's all that that's is. Right. I mean, that's no clean. That's no pat on the back. Yeah. So maybe if I would have fell earlier, but I never fell, and I was always boom, and that that's attributed to the way I was raised, dude. I, I man, I was roping steers and plowing snow at eight years old. <laughs> I mean, come on, yeah. nothing's gonna take me down. PB ain't. 
<laughs> I, I tried. But it, it, oh, man. So, yeah, so 18 and 19, I can't speak on. I could just tell you that it was, it was this, yeah, it was laden with drugs. Complete, drugs, deba- drugs complete debauchery. Yeah, debauchery, yeah. And, and, and you, 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 no friends because everybody's pretty much using you at this point. Yeah. You know, gallo this, gallo that. And I mean, there's no phones. There's none of that. I want everybody to realize that. There's no phones. There's yeah, nothing. Yeah, no that, phones then. But that, but that, there's no phones. And in hindsight, that's what kept this going. Imagine if there was phones. Oh, jeez. I'd still be inside. Yeah. It, we, I don't even want to. No, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Couldn't so, even imagine. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, uh, I'm 20. And then I say, uh, I said, okay, let me pull a geographic. And for people who don't realize what a geographic is, it's, it's the mind of an addict that says, if I move, everything will be okay. Yeah. I just got to go back. I got to find someplace else. But th- those never work. So I moved back to Jersey and I live with my buddy and within two weeks we were going into Harlem and getting coke and selling it and doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I get in trouble out there and the minute I find out I'm in trouble, I get on a plane and I come back out here and within two weeks I plea to selling coke at the Gold's Gym in my hometown and I have two weeks to turn myself in. So this is done on the phone. 20 years old. At 20 years old. And I have a co-defendant. I'll leave his name out of it. But I have a co-defendant. So he's, his attorney's pretty much helping me along. So I don't got to keep flying back for this rehearsal and this yeah. appointment. So believe it or not, I was able to do all that stuff via the phone. But I had two weeks. And, and everybody, has a, everybody has a moment in their life that they'll never, ever, ever forget in situations like this and I remember my mom and my dad taking me to San Diego airport and keep in mind I'm suppressing everything my dad did everything that got me to that moment I'm, I'm I got I got somewhere inside of me I, I haven't told anybody yeah so my mommy and my daddy are taking me to San Diego airport now, for those of you not familiar with the airport you used to have to walk up these stairs to get to you where your flight right is. Okay, it, the stairs weren't outside. You just walk right in and then up. I remember. And I just remember my mom and dad bawling as I'm walking up the stairs. And I'm turning around, dude. And I got chills right now. Yeah. Uh, and I just remember saying goodbye to them. Now, now it was only a 90-day stint in the county jail in Flemington. The blue, they called Flemington. it the blue, the blue Roof Inn yeah. in Flemington. It was only 90 days. And I, and I had all my friends and my cousins visiting me, putting money on the car. But that was my first that was my first moment where I'm like, God, th- th- this, is, this is my life. I-, I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know how to get out of California. I'm not welcome in New Jersey. What am I going to do? W- what am I going to do? So I get out. My dad comes and picks me up. We go to the diner at Somerville Circle, and he looks at me, and he goes, he goes uh, when you get back, things are going to be different. So I'm at the diner in Somerville. We stop there to eat pork roll and eggs. It's Poor so girl. funny. It's so funny how you remember certain Taylor Ham. Yeah, Taylor Ham. It's so funny how you remember certain. Moments. He looks at me. He goes, "Things are going to be different when we get home." So I'm thinking to myself, "Okay." So we go. To, we stop there. We go to the airport. We fly home. My mom's got everything for me: new clothes, new sheets, new bed, new everything. And then, and then I go to the same house in Rancho Bernardo, and uh, and then that's when I started my uh, my physical fitness journey, dude. And I was uh, I'm not going to say I was clean and sober, but I'll tell you what. F- I started that year, uh, 94 was the year I started really, really getting into my, getting into my body. 
Yeah. Like trying to trying right. to, trying to figure out if this is it. Remember what I told you? I'm stuck. I can't go to Jersey. I can't go. I'm I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, my dad's pretty much worthless to me anyway. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and he's still doing his thing over there, but things are changing. People are starting to uh, the the car business is changing at that point. There, there's no need for a GSM anymore. Their salesmen salesmen are doing a lot of stuff from home and all that stuff. So I know that was changing. So I know he was getting out of that. So there was no more of this. So I get into the restaurant business, which I've been good at since I was a little kid, and uh, I start working. I start doing that. But where, I spent, where were you working? I was working at a Valentino's in uh, in Rancho Bernardo. Yeah. I don't know if it's still there or not. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't think so. Another Italian family owned it. My dad winded up becoming part owner in it, so I had I pretty much could do what I wanted. And I learned to, I learned to do everything in a restaurant in there in my two and a half years there. He was already a part owner of it? He became yeah. after I started working oh, there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it had a little bar. It had all that. And then... Um, so I'm doing that and I'm 20, I'm 21 and, uh, I'm trying to figure things out, but I know that, uh, I know that bodybuilding, I, and I know that the gym in, uh, in, um, San Marcos off of Nordahl, Gold's gym. Yeah. I know it's safe. I know I saved my life in there. I know I would have been dead if I didn't go to that gym really? at that. Th- oh yeah. As soon as I got off the plane, I went there and my buddies, uh, you, you know, a couple of them, um, like Robert and those guys, they, they were oh, yeah. down. P- yeah. That's Jeff right. Campbell. Yes. And those guys. Yeah. So we all formed this unit. And we went there every day, two a days, and we, we got jacked. I mean, t- I was 213 pounds. Yeah. And it was something that I enjoyed doing. And then uh, the partying, because your body looks so good, the partying comes second, you know. Right. Even, even when we went to PB, there was nights we didn't even drink. We just went down there for the chicks. Yeah. And then everything started becoming clearer. And then uh, I had an opportunity to invest in a restaurant my time and my dad was going to be part owner, and it was off Ted Williams Parkway, yep. and it was called the Big Apple. And then that's where I really learned how to operate a, a restaurant. And I'm thinking to myself, God, I could do this. I, I, I could be a restaurateur. I could take care of my body. I could hire. I could fire. I could run a restaurant, and then everything would be okay. With that being said, the trauma is still there. I'm still knee deep with my dad. He's still in my life in yep. a negative and a positive. My mom is still in the dark about what, what the hell's going on or what has gone on. And uh, yeah, so so needless to say, we're, I'm, in, I'm 20 and uh, I'm, I'm hiring and I hired this, uh, this young lady to become a... Um, to become a bus girl and eventually work behind the counter. It was a deli and a restaurant. It was huge. I don't know if you're familiar. I don't even know what's there now. But where those baseball fields are off, Ted yeah. Williams, it was in there. It was a brand new strip mall. Got it. I know the area. Okay. So I'm in there, and uh, I hired this, this, uh, this young lady. And, uh, you know, long story short, she eventually became my wife. After a year of working with me and everything, I asked her to marry me. And this Gina. Was, yeah, Regina. And this was in uh, 1995. And we hung out. We went down to PB a lot. Yep. I showed her. Yeah, she was underage. I don't, I'm not going to say anything, but you let her in. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's uh, we'll yeah. cut that out. Real yeah. Quick. yeah. So anyway, so we were doing that, and then, uh, and then uh, we 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 got an apartment together. So now I'm away from my I'm away from my family. They loved her. Everything was good. My dad's still doing dirt. My mom's still heads in the sand. My brother's doing something. My little sister uh, is just struggling to be a, a a woman inside of that home. Yeah. I know that. Was your dad with you at the restaurant at all? Like, was he working there? Or? You know what? He invested time, but he was doing a, he was trying to keep a Kearney Mesa Ford going at that time. Yeah. I, I know that, but he was in it. He was in and out, but me and the other owner, we were in there all the time. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was pretty much living and dying in there. 
and anyway, so there comes a crossroads. I move, I move out with Regina. We get an apartment off Carmel Mountain Road, and Anthony is is uh, is made my first son, Anthony. Yeah, and this is in uh, this is in. Uh, At what age did you have him? I was uh, well. Anthony's twenty six now. I was twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. Almost twenty five. Yeah. So he was conceived in I think uh, early spring of uh, of ninety of 95 because he was born in June 11, 96. So yeah. he was maybe late summer. He was, he was conceived. Uh, so that changed everything. I got out of that restaurant. Uh, I, I let, I left that, I let that go. And I figured, where can I work? Take care of, take, take care Why of. Why did my, you leave the restaurant? What? Why did you leave the restaurant? Because I got her out of there because she was pregnant. And then it just wasn't conducive to what I was doing. And I wasn't really making what I needed to make. Yeah. So I needed to make a change. But I had learned everything in there for, in a year and a half. Yeah. So I became a bartender. And I bartended at the double, back to that uh, golf course. I, I was bartending at the Doubletree off of Carmel Mountain Road. Yep. And, uh, it, dude, it was the coolest gig, man. Phil Mickelson all the time. All oh, those yeah. guys. And this is, in, uh, this is in 95, 96. Plus, uh, you know, working for the Doubletree, I got... I got um, this is another reason I did. I got full insurance. I got I got all the perks, you know. Yeah. And that was important when you're having a kid. Yeah. So uh yeah, so Anthony's born in ninety six and in ninety six I uh I stopped I, I, I stopped everything. Squeaky clean. And uh we went ahead and uh and moved to uh Temecula the day after Anthony was born. So June twelfth, nineteen ninety six, I moved to Temecula. And my mom and my dad were just about they were just about to follow me up there, and uh, I, I don't know, so, something, something had happened. Like I said, I was, I was, I was estranged from them because I had, I had my own gig now. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So my brother's still up in Santa Barbara, going to school up there. I went up there for a few months, partied my way out of there. That was in '95. I, I came home, ran a restaurant. So I'm in '96. Anthony's born, so now we're in Temecula. And from 90, uh, 96, Anthony was born. And then by 98, uh, Joseph was born. I stopped working at the Doubletree, uh, and I opened up my own uh, detailing, mobile detailing. Wait, 98, who was born? Joseph, my, my second son. Second one, 98. Yeah, 98. Okay. So now, no, no, no partying at all with, with the drugs. You know, we, we would go out to the winery, store and winery and all that. My wife and I with the, with the baby. My sister lived up in Temecula. She went up there a year before me. I, th I think that might have played a part in me deciding to go up there. But she was a couple exits away from me. Uh, and I opened up a mobile detailing shop. I had a little truck, yeah. water in the back. Yep. And I went around town and I started meeting everybody. And with my personality, I, would, uh, I was working six days a week making a killing. Yep. A killing back then was four or $5,000 cash a month. Right. And then we went from that house. We bought our first house on the Highway 79 in Temecula. And then um, in 2000, and then it, so I had the two boys. We're living in the house in Temecula. And then in 2000, I start partying again. And we're opening. How did it start? And we're opening. The, we're opening the restaurant. So my dad moves up there with my mom. I'm trying to piece all this together. In '99, my mom and dad move up to Temecula, and they live off another exit. So we occupied three exits leading up to, to wine country. So I have a new house. My sister has a house, and then my mom and dad moved up there. So my dad starts getting starts cruising around with me detailing cars and the whole time we're driving around together we're back together again yeah. right yeah so there's the trauma right back yep. that i learned that i escaped for five years yeah and uh 
we're driving around and uh, we say, hey, let's open a restaurant. There's no place. To, there's literally no place to eat up there. There was an In-N-Out burger and a Del Taco and that was it. Yep. So we go, we're driving around and we meet an attorney. We go and we talk to the attorney and said, hey, what will it take to open a restaurant in this town? We want to do high-end Italian, central Italian, veal, steaks, chicken, none of that, veal parmesan, none of that. You know, no spaghetti and meatballs. We wanted high-end because that's what we were used to eating just like you are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one of the things I love about you too. Thank Unbelievable. Thank yeah. Unbelievable restaurant tour you are. Yeah, yeah. Thank so you. So that's a gift. Yes. So listen, so we... we <laughs> You know, fast forward all that stuff, we winded up opening a restaurant. We opened up this little restaurant. So had you started doing drugs already at this point? No. It, it, at this point, we're just doing the winery thing. Yep. Just drinking a little wine yeah, here and there. Yeah. Was he so, still doing blow? Uh, up there, no. He was He was a fish out of water up here, my dad. So okay. he spent a lot of time with my mom. That's probably the closest they were for a while. Right. So she tells him to come work for me. We're doubling our business. He's pocketing money. I'm pocketing money. We had a little nest egg. He had a little nest. So we, we opened the restaurant, and we had a partner. Our attorney that we went to winded up being our partner. Yep. We opened this little restaurant, J.D., and it sat, I don't know, it sat maybe 65, 70. Dude, it was packed every night of the week. Yep. And it was small, and we could cater to everybody. We were doing, dude, we should have never left. But with success comes, let's go bigger. Yeah. So we get an offer by Starbucks. You know, they put the black line across the street to see how many tires go by it. Yeah. That's how they open Starbucks. X amount of cars got to go by that area before they'll open one. So we see the black line go up, and we're like, what are they doing? I hope everybody understands the black, the black that counts the cars. Yeah. That's how McDonald's know where to put their, put their spots. That's how Starbucks, they need X amount of traffic to right. open a spot. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we see that go up and then all of a sudden Starbucks exec comes in and says, hey, we want to buy the last year of your lease out and then we'll pay for some of your move into a new spot as long as you find it. So we go to the next town over, which is Marietta. So you took the offer. We, want, we winded up, fast forward three or four months, we wind up taking the offer. We find a What'd spot. What'd they offer you? They, paid, they just bought out the lease? Yeah, they bought it. The, and I think they gave us some, I, I'm not sure the, the dollar amount, maybe 15, 16, 17,000 to move. So we moved. And then in the interim of moving, we applied for a liquor license. Oh, so you didn't have liquor license there yet? We had beer and wine. Beer and wine, okay. But beer and wine kind of gets you in the door. Right. So then you apply. And as long as, as, long as around there doesn't have other liquor licenses, Correct. you're good. Yeah. So we take the liquor license that we get, and we open up this restaurant, and then I start making phone calls. I call my cousin, and he comes up. He, he streamlines the bar for us and everything, and we're, we're seating 120, 130. The bar's packed. And then our, our liquor license, we paid, we paid more for a, um, for a cabaret, yeah. which so is you can, can stay open later, and, you and can, then you can have the live music. Yeah, music, that's right. Yeah, and then with that comes... You know, your your premium on your insurance obviously goes up because of the dancing and all that. So so we're in deep now. And then uh, and then that's when the partying started to answer your question. In 2000, the party started. The partying started. So you had, at this new location, you're there maybe within a year. Yeah. Party started. Who? The party started, started and never ended. You're talking. I don't even have to elaborate. From 2000 to 2005, it never, it started and never stopped. It just went straight through. Could just blow. Yeah. People ask me what happened to my restaurant. I tell them I snorted it. Yeah. It was. It was. It was mayhem. We were making money. It was like an ATM. Who, who brought it? Who brought it the first time in? Like who was it? Dad was it? Well, we got to go. Well, he, he, no, oh, meaning oh. who? Who was the first? Hey, let's uh, let's line them up. It. It. Uh, customers. 
customers. So the, so the customers, Jersey, dude. People were coming in there. I, I know, I know. This is this sounds this sounds strange, but people were coming in there t- wanting to take our pictures with me and my dad. Yeah. Because we were in, dude, that was the Bible Belt right. back then. Yeah. We did something that we shouldn't have been doing. We had people knocking on our door as we were, you know, you, you, before you open, you do the pre-sale. Yeah. We weren't selling anything, but we were selling ourselves. So there's a pre-sale sure. So I'm out there. Dude, you had to see it. We were, we were like, uh, you're like action you're figures. You were celebrities. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess for all the wrong reasons, but we were like uh, action figures to these people, <laughs> yeah. man. It was crazy. Yeah, you were celebrities. And, you were... And, then we had, uh, and then we had your guys from Jersey. Yeah. Baldy and, and Jano, and then we had Dally behind a bar. And, and it t- say what you want to say about Dally. He's a great bartender. Yeah. He just is. Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and he could bullshit with the best of them. Oh, no question. Anyhow, so we got all those guys. So we got <laughs> all the people. It, it, it was almost... <laughs> It was almost a, a film, a Scorsese film, dude. It was crazy. I got the beautiful family at home. My daughter's born in 2001. I got everything I wanted. Two boys, a little girl, beautiful little girl. Yeah. Best thing I ever did. So now you got three kids. I got three kids. 2001, I'm in a bigger home. So everything's bigger, okay? Yeah, yeah. I All remember right. that home. Everything's bigger. I remember bigger. that head right yeah. there. That, that so I, I, pay, I pay cash for the, for the pool. The pool's got a bridge, jacuzzi, palapa, anything. It was like going to uh, Rubio's in the back with palapas yeah. everywhere. Yeah. It was crazy. So anywhere, the, the house is completely Costco. I had a Costco problem. I mean, it, it, it was crazy. The Costco problem. Dude, the whole house was Costco. You could go shopping at my house and buy. It was crazy. <laughs> anyway, so the pool. So the, the, so the partying started. Yeah, the part. And, and was it during the, the, the work? Was it in the morning? Dude, it, it never night? ended. <laughs> Listen to me, dude. I'm 203 pounds. Uh, my, uh, it, was, it was just ridiculous, man. Tell me, tell me you wouldn't like to work somewhere where you could wear a T-shirt with your arms sticking out, your chest out I, to I here. I do. Alcohol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Exactly, he does. Look at look it. Every day. My uniform. My I uniform. Know, me too. Me too. So anyway, so uh, and so, so I'm what there. customers were doing blow with you? Was it just JD? Everybody was doing drugs in that restaurant. Alcohol. <laughs> I mean, we just be up for days. Like, dude, how dude, many? How? Dude, we were doing 120 to 140 dinners a night, Tuesday through Sunday. It was ma- our wine list was 142 wines. We had wine, silver, we, all the stuff you do. That was all on our list. Any, dude, we, we, 2001 through 2003. So it was, it, it, it was, it was, it was unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. The, our catering jobs were all up. And so up. money, cup, tons of money coming in and was a lot, a lot of For it my going, dad and I, tons of money. A, lo- and then a lot I, going into drugs. Uh, yeah, but then, you know, back then, I don't know if this was your business, but back then, um. It was a lot of bartering. bartering. So, yeah. so if I wanted to go to the tanning bed, I just traded the tanning girl. If I wanted to go to Aloha Jays, I just traded out that owner from my restaurant. Right. So very few money transfers were taking place. The guy dropping the, the Coke off, I would just buy him and his family dinner. Yeah. Or give him a gift to or give him whatever, swag, any, any of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, so so I mean, when you say it wasn't like we were buying kilos, it, it was... You know what's funny, dude, is we didn't sell anything. We just... Did drugs. So when the cops finally came in in 2000, 2002, we, I get to work in the morning. And, uh, and, and like you know, it's like you here. You're always here. Yeah. Even when you're not here, yeah. you're here because yeah. you're building something. Right. So we get there in the morning ready for lunch. And, uh, 
And people know in a, in, a, in a great restaurant, the only reason you stay open for lunch is to get yourself ready for dinner. That's the only reason. You're, you're, not, you're not retiring it's, on lunch, yeah, lunch anywhere in, in America right. unless you're fast food. Yeah. So anyway, so we're there, and uh, I get there one morning, and I'm the first to get there. Uh, I pull up in my Lexus, and uh, there's, a, there's a friggin' uh, the axe that's in the fire hydrant is in my front door like in between the doors and I had these big huge wooden doors with glass and everything and uh yeah the cops had uh the cops had 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 a warrant and they they ransacked my restaurant thinking they're looking for they're looking for uh, uh, eventually we find out they're looking for guns prostitution and drugs yeah thinking we're, we're involved in all three of them yeah. I think it's the years I don't know what years the Sopranos came up but I remember saying a cop you, you watching too many Soprano episodes dude yeah I mean we're not doing any of this stuff, dude. We had the uh, ceiling with the with the. Uh, uh, it looked like uh, big balloons for your ceiling. They had ripped it all, thinking it's up there. They had dumped all the the uh, breadcrumb in the flower bins. You know, at restaurants, the big yeah. they dude they ransacked. And you know what they found? They found half a joint in the uh, in the uh, busboy's uh, uh, ashtray out back. You know, when they break, yeah. there's the big. That's what they found. Nothing. So they come there. They're waiting for us. They take my dad in, one, in, the, in the bathroom. They take me in the office. They think we're going to tell on each other. It's crazy, dude. They didn't find anything. We, want, we had an attorney. that. What, what, they, were they, what were they asking? Oh, they were looking for those. Th- they thought we were running prostitution out of there because of all the women that would go there. They thought we were running drugs out of there. And then something about guns, man. I don't know. <clears throat> but in the state of California back then, if you owned a bar and you made X amount of money, you could carry a you could carry a yeah. a, a gun. Right. It's stupid because some reason it, it had to be in the trunk though. So so what do you say some the robber? Hey, hold on, don't rob me. I'm going to go to my trunk. Yeah. So anyway, I, I find that funny. Um, <laughs> that's ridiculous. So anyway, they were looking for all that stuff. I mean, I, it just absurdity. Dude, if I didn't read it on the uh, on the uh, thing on the paperwork, I, I wouldn't have believed it. So so when they do that. Who pays for the repairs that they just- so we sue so we sue them right so we sue them yeah. we sued them for I, I don't know because we had attorneys dude all our all our clients like you all yeah. our clients are are, are upscale yeah. people dude doctors lawyers uh, ranch owners so anyway so the attorney at the bar he's in there and he's like dude I can't believe this man this is gonna shut Let, let's let's file so we filed I think they uh. They lost, and I think we won three thousand dollars. Three thousand. Yeah, three thousand two hundred and fifty bucks or something. Oh That's God. the check we got. So anyway, we paid to have it all redone. But again, you could trade it all out. Yeah. You know. So Cisco came in, gave us our bread come back. The roof guy came in, we traded him out. You know, I traded pretty much everything back then. Right. Everything. Yeah. So, uh, so that's where we're at. But then, <clears throat> that's the beginning of the end because okay. that happened. Now all, all publicity is whether good or bad is good it is is great right yes it doesn't matter if it's good or bad it attracts attention you're out there right but there's not social media back then like there is here so you so you don't we don't really have a chance to explain anything so you go from you go from being invited to all the mixers to not be invited all the mixers because of the women you wind up having cops constantly in there masquerading as freaking uh, patrons uh, you, you start getting put you know somebody's elbows you as you're going yeah so it, i mean i remember it all to this day my wife starts getting pulled over on the on the overpasses T- the cops rat me out we know what your husband does do you want to know follow us to the place yeah dude. oh really oh dude like, this was uh, after they came in this was after they came in and all through till we saw it in 2005 yeah 
it, it got it got way ugly before it got worse. There was a uh, I got divorced. My dad got divorced. Uh, my cousin he split. Okay, so hold on a second. Hold on. So, so Pat, when they did the when they ransacked the place after that point, did you start right back up doing drugs in the restaurant? We started right back up, and 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 for the most part, we were doing. Uh, there was always live entertainment, and we were cutting everything short, and we were going kind of against the blueprint that we had made like we were the we were the final call and then we got everybody out whereas a lot of the bars were calling last call one yeah you know and then um having having uh, taxis outside so we started doing all that you know because because there was a lot of money at stake yeah i mean a lot of money and it was a very successful business that we were ruining and my dad was coming at me sideways going, yeah, it's you and he's coming at me sideways because I packed the place, yes, but who was I packing it with? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was the man, dude. I was the best way. I I still am to this day. There's nobody better than me out on that floor. There just isn't. Because I knew all the food. Yeah. I knew all the food. I had an answer to everything. Everything. I knew all the wine. I knew everything. Yeah. So with that being said, there's so many, there's so many variables. And and I hope you follow this and I hope you... uh, I, you know, I hope it, uh, the listeners respect this. You have your wife at home. You have three kids that are starting school. You have you have to go to their games. I have to be a coach still. And that, all that stuff follows you. So now your kids are starting to have to answer questions like, hey, what's going on with Ilbachi? You know, and Ilbachi, like you do, they're sponsoring everything. Ilbachi sponsored everything. I have all the gear at home. Yeah. I sponsored Little Leagues. I sponsored gymnastics. I sponsored everything. Everything. Yeah. And all this bad pub follows you into your home. Never mind keeping the doors open at the restaurant. So now I'm at home and I got it the wife. And then I got my kids. My son is six, seven years old now going, hey, dad, you're never home. You're always at the restaurant. Well, come with me then. So then he starts coming with me. I put the basketball hoop in the back, you know, like you do. Yeah. Right? To accommodate. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the money and the aggravation start just colliding, dude. All this money, all this aggravation. And so the cops kept harassing you at oh, this point? Oh, dude. Just because... Because like, we were successful and because their wives were out with their girlfriends. Times were different back then, man. Yeah. There was none of the cell phones, dude. So those girls are... It was crazy. It was crazy. We had a dance floor. We had, you know, uh, we had the best bands playing in there. I had TVs. And listen, it was a freestanding building with a, with a street address, like a, like a house address. Yeah. So I was getting direct TV in there for free without paying the commercial cost. Right. So I had all the fights in there. Tyson, Holyfield, Buster Douglas. It was yeah. all in my spot. Yeah. Yeah, you had everything. Oh, dude. And, so and they, then we had the food to back it up. I had my cousins from Jersey out here. They were cooking. My dad was cooking. I was cooking on weekends. I, dude, it was, dude, it was lunacy. But so, so this, this trickled into your family life. They were questioning. So that, that put dissension between you and your wife oh yeah she started showing up at the restaurant more whereas she was a stay-at-home mom doing her thing you know she, she was in charge of everything ran a tight ship my, dude my kid my kids wanted for nothing and i'm talking and i'm not talking monetary stuff i'm talking yeah. reading yeah. i'm talking about bathing i'm talking about swimming uh, do, yeah you know? the whole house yes dude yeah yes yeah do, visiting with the grandparents, making sure they came, making sure they went. Make, she was planning Maui vacation. She was planning uh, Yankee Stadium vacations, everything. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, drugs and alcohol took that. Drugs and alcohol took that from me. Yeah, they did. Yep. 
and so and so then you were just so 2005 she drops the hammer she says i'm 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 leaving uh, so at this go, point, were you still doing blow for days, not staying up for days? Uh, like I said, we took all took a step back, but uh, yeah, we were. So now it goes. Uh, the the, the drug addicts out there are going to love it. It was only weekends now, you yeah. know. Let me just do it on a weekend, right? But the weekends spill over into Monday, of course. Yeah, but I'm still a coach. I still got muscles. Yeah, uh, you know, I still got everything that's allowing me to convince myself that it was okay. That it's okay. Because I got the best restaurant in San Diego, North, North County Magazine, best restaurant, 2001 through 2003. Look it up. It's there. Uh, biggest wine list in, in, in all Riverside County. You know, we, we, we had everything. I had the house. I had the thing. But listen to me. As quick as all that came, it's gone. My house is gone. My, divo my divorce is, is, is almost final. And this is only 2005, dude. Yeah. My restaurant is sold for, I think we made, I think my dad and I split the the cost of the liquor license we sold it to pf changs in riverside for fifty nine thousand, and uh i think we split that but as far as the restaurant we didn't lose anything we didn't know any sales tax which is hard to do because really? well when a restaurant's failing or any business they never pay sales tax yeah and then you're always owed. we we didn't we didn't we didn't uh we didn't climb into that bed but uh there was a lot yeah there was a lot of uh there was a lot of a nightmare dude it just was so 2005 i want my i still want my family so I checked myself into another rehab in Palm Desert because now I can't see my kids. I can't do anything. And I'm, I'm, I, think I'm living, I think I'm living in a house. So what do you mean you can't see them? She won't let me see them. She filed for divorce. When, what came with that came a lot of telling. Yeah. He's doing drugs. He's doing it. So the, in the court's eyes, I'm this, I'm this restaurateur, coach of Little League. But I'm a bad person and I yeah. can't, you know. Yeah. And it's all centered around drugs. I can't pass a drug test. It's impossible. Right. <laughs> so I check myself into another rehab in 05, and uh, I do another, uh, I'm sober for nine months, and I think I got it. And I get my kids, and we split custody, and she, she Regina's doing her thing. We're fully divorced, um, separated, divorced, whatever. And then, uh, you know, I made amends with my family, and uh, my mom and dad are split at this time. My dad's living, my dad's living on the East Coast. I'm out here. They're done. Um. And then in, uh, in late 06, I'm sober nine months, and then I relapse. And I relapse at a mortgage firm, and I'm right, back in the, I'm right back in the spin cycle, man, of big money. I'm doing mortgages now. I'm yeah. doing refis. And you know, or anybody that hasn't lived under a rock knows, in 06 through 08, oh, yeah. dude, you could refi anything. 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 So I'm in there, and I'm doing loans in 37 states. My guy that I grew up with at Mount Carmel High School, he owns New World Mortgage. I I'm working there. I'm in a little cubicle, and I'm killing it, dude, because I can talk. Yes. So I'm killing it. I go, I tell my mom, hey, I don't got to... I don't got, I'm going to sell the house. I'm going to go live in a condo. I'm going to save all this money, mom. I got my kids back. Everything's good. You know, you don't have to keep an eye on me anymore. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, not, I'm eight months sober, nine months sober. Dude, I was in that condo one month. I'm high again. I'm seeing my kids, but my wife's kind of looking at me strange when, or my ex-wife's looking at me kind of strange when she drops them off. Couple altercations, anger starts coming now. 
I'm, I'm. How did you get back into it? What did you do? Well, the mortgage business is a different animal. In the in the restaurant industry, I knew everything, and I was ha- and I owned it. Yeah. And I could come and go as I want. If I wanted to, if I wanted to call in, I could call in. If I wanted to fly here, I could fly there. But with the mortgage industry, you got to follow everything to close of loan. To the T, yeah. Yeah. Well, with that comes stress and a, and a whole different Keith. I'm in a suit and tie. I'm sweating. I'm in a cubicle. I can't do what I want to do. I got to follow. Per, you got to follow everything. Yes. And then you got people you don't know that aren't sitting in front of you. You're, they're live. Their money is in your hands. So with that came, hey, let's go to this bar and figure it out. We'll sit there and we'll write it out and then. Before you know it, somebody offers you a line of coke, you, you want to finish a mortgage loan, you, you do it. Yeah. And then right, I'm right back in it. Yep. And then I buy the house. Cash money. Me, me and the owner of the thing, we buy a house together. He goes, hey, buy it. You pay the mortgage on it. When we sell it, we'll split profit. And this is in 07. Yeah. So I'm living in this beautiful house, dude. Everything is decorated. Dude, it's, 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 a, it's a single guy's dream, dude. Yeah. I got my kids. I decorated Charger Room, Yankee Room. I got. I, I had a net branch. I had people working for me in there, and then uh, here here's the second half of Keith's life right here. I mean, uh, th- this is it. This what happens next is every all that trauma, all that stuff had to happen for this day to happen, and and when it happened, it was grandiose because JD. Everything I had been doing was on such a scale that it wasn't just going to end, go peacefully into the night. It just wasn't. There's no way. It was going to go down. And, uh, and by the grace of God, dude, and by the grace of God, in July 3rd, 2007, if you guys have been listening and following me, I was, I was built. I had muscles. I had a house. I just want... All you guys to understand this. I had a paid off car. I had a gym in my garage. I had a basketball hoop inside my home. I had, there wasn't anything I didn't have. My refrigerator was stocked. I ate my food, but I was a full blown addict. I was an addict with women. I was an addict with, with drugs. I was a bad dad. I was a bad son. I was a bad husband. And on this day at 7 10 in the morning, while I was watching my nephews, they were playing basketball, you know, the double shot. Yeah. And I had big, huge beanbag, you know, the $500 beanbag yeah. that you could just die on. I yeah. had one of those. And my front door came crashing down, the whole thing. I had two double doors. Both of them came off the hinges. I'm laying upstairs, just relaxing. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know. There was five, six, seven um, task force guys came in and took me to the ground. And a lot of them remembered the, the, the Il Bacci, which was the name of my restaurant, means the kiss in Italian. They all remembered. Everybody remembers when you get away with something. So all of it came to a head on the stairwell of my, uh, of my house. Yeah, they took me down. And they broke my ribs. And they did everything they needed to do. They dragged me down the stairs. My nephew's crying. They got me in the back of that car. And, Were they and, bringing up the restaurant? Uh, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. But, but you know, they, they didn't need to do that. They had me. Yeah. Nobody's boot needed to go into my ribs. Yeah, but they they you know before they when they get the when they get the warrant and they get the they already know about Keith Gallo. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, yeah, they put me in the back of that car and then here's another moment I'll never forget. He said, "Is there anything you want to say?" And I said, "Yeah, thank you," because if you didn't come in this house and take me, I, I would have died. Yeah, I would be dead. And then I said, "Just uh." Just make sure my nephews are okay. Tell them, tell them Uncle Keith loves them, man. And then that was it. I didn't see the light of day. July 3rd, 
2007 till January 2009. I didn't. I didn't. They no bailed me. I, I wasn't allowed out. I couldn't bail out. I couldn't do nothing. So that's when I knew that all the past happenings from 2000 to current to yeah. those seven years. Yeah. That's how I knew that they knew everything. That's how I knew that there was the vendetta through the police department was that because they no bailed me. And they used all that past stuff yeah. to get that from the judge. Because that's unheard of, not being able to be bailed out. Right. <clears throat> and I winded up, um, I, so can't, what, I, can't they, go, I can't go into, into what happened because there's just so many people and so many banks involved. But we were just, I was just, I got arrested for fraud. Yeah. But make no mistake about it, people. It was the drugs and it was the alcohol. Yeah. It just says fraud on the arrest warrant. Yeah. It was the lifestyle I was leading that got me in the back of that car and eventually got me into a into prison. Yeah. I did two years. So two full years. Two full years in the California uh, penal system. So you had to plea? Yeah. Uh, what was the original? I fought it. I, I had a co-defendant because he worked with me in my net branch. So he had fraud. I had fraud. So, so I had to ride with him and to, to separate wouldn't have done him any good or me any good. I mean, yeah. it was the same across the board. He actually had more stuff. I, I don't even know. He still might be in there. I don't know, but he had more stuff, but I didn't know that. And they couldn't connect me to any of that, Yeah, but it was fraud. And, uh, and yeah, we fought it. I fought it for, uh, for four months. And, uh, I'll tell you what the four months in County jail, and uh, I'm sure the, there's many a people you'll have on your show that, that can attest to this. The county jail's worse than prison. Really? I know, I, I, listen to me, dude, in so many ways. Really? You got nothing coming in county jail. You got nothing coming, dude. And all people do is cause trouble all day. What does the, that mean you got nothing coming? You got nothing coming. You got no, you got no shoe. You're in, you're in their gear. You're in a California gear. Yeah. You're in a, you're in a jumpsuit. You're in your cell all day. There's no yard. There's no. There's barely commissaries. Nothing. And then you get ten minute phone a day. It, it's nothing. You get a, a visit through a through a plexiglass, and your visit can be broke. If anything goes on in the jail, your visits shut down. Yeah. And then you're stressed out the whole time because you're fighting your case. You're shackled. It's it's a, it's a nightmare. So after four months, I told my mom. I said the next deal they give me, I'm taking. And in California, the district attorney at that time, they rotate district attorneys because of corruption. They rotate wow. them every, every quarter. Every so, quarter. Yeah. So I was waiting the four months for a new district attorney. And the minute the new one came in, they saw that it was, you know, fraud. I'm a first termer, 35 years old, 36 years old. I, I mean, come on. Yeah. So, uh, so they, offered me, uh, they offered me three years, a little over three and a half years with halftime. And you get halftime because it's nonviolent. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I took it. Nobody's in the court with me. I told my mom, don't come. Boom. If they offer me a deal, I'm taking it. So I'm making this life decision on my own in court. And it's, it, might seem, it might seem minimal to, to people out there, but th that's a defining moment in your life, man. Yeah. You're agreeing to go to prison. Just the word. And uh, yeah, it, it was a long, it was the longest day of my life. So you go back and just, just so people know, you watch the movies, you don't, you don't go right from the courtroom to prison. Right. That's not how it works. So you go and then in the middle of the night, they'll come get you, your door open, you'll go, you go on this bus ride. So I went up North. I, I'm not going to say, you know, but where you, you weren't allowed to go home in the meantime though. No, I never saw it from July 3rd to, to January, the end of January, 2009. I, ne I never went home. I never, I never stepped outside. I, I was a ward of the state, yeah. So I, I, I went to prison, and, 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 and then in, uh, you know, 2007 happened, 2008 came, 
And I'm still, I'm still in reception. And, and another uh, misnomer out there about prisons, you don't go right to your prison. You go to a reception center. Yeah. And at that reception center, they do the blood, they do the thing. But a big thing with me is my brain, at this point, I'm starting to realize that, that all my mistakes in life are inside my, my head. I got, I got to figure this out. I got four kids at home with <laughs> my mom is pretty much helping take care of my wife. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this is this is 2008 now. My kids, my my one son's 12. So were you able to talk to you when you first got taken in? When, when were you able to talk to the family? Or yeah, ask me ask me questions. I, 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 so, so any the, questions the, you ask now, you, the answers you get will be precise because I remember all this now. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the first visit when I they got, called you in. When were you able to call and say, uh, "Mom, Dad"? I call, well, listen. I called my mom, and she she was crying so bad. And was so, I, I don't know the word for it. She was so, I'm not going to say, uh, she, she, was, she was devastated. 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 She couldn't talk. So that, that was a wasted, that was a wasted dime. I, I was done. But who, who, who am I going to call, J.D.? When you're a drug addict, you, you don't have the best of friends. No. And look at all the damage. And they I certainly done. don't want you calling them because then they're like, don't call no. me. And the house I owned, I owned with my, I owned with the, the owner of the, mortgage company yeah. he's a multimillionaire, dude i gotta protect his honor i can't rat on nobody i'm taking all this blame on my own this fraud thing and i'm like so i can't i can't call him yeah so who am i gonna call so i call my old man and he's like okay i'll uh i'll get there so he was the first to come and he came with his came with his wife at the time i apologized and it was it's it's a very sad at that point because you're you know you let him down you got some i got some sleep finally and uh, the drugs, the drugs are out of me, and you're pretty much raw, and and somebody could say something to you, and 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 it, it, your life comes crashing down over and over again. Right. Because what if my dad said, "Don't worry, I'll take care of your kids." Well, boom, that's a gut shot. Yeah. Because he's not supposed to be taking care of my kids. I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, oh, don't worry, I'll put money on your books. Boom, there's another shot. I don't even have any money. Yeah. yeah. Hey, don't worry, I'll make sure everything's out of your home. Oh shoot, I just lost my home. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so then my mom finally came and she was of clear, I guess, I guess my brothers and sisters had talked to her and, the, and I could just imagine that conversation. Like, what did you expect? It's Keith, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But my mom made it a point to, to put money on my books, get me an attorney and, and the attorney, because I was going to plea and I didn't have a leg to stand on, the attorney did the job for 2500 bucks. Now, if he was going to fight that, that would have been upwards of ten. Yeah. And that's back then. Right. That's not even now. Yeah. So, uh, so I had an attorney and that, JD, is like you go back to your bed and you can actually sleep now because yeah. you got somebody with your best interest. Correct. Okay. So money's on my books. For those people who don't know, that's just, that's just money so I can eat you know, food that comes in commissary and stuff like that. So I do, uh, I do my time, man, but I'll tell you what, dude, those four months in County jail, everything is politics. You can't talk to the other. Yeah, race. Tell me about County jail. Like what, what oh, they're all separated, segregated. It's just a bunch of criminals ages 18 to whatever running around. They love it. They love it. Dude. If you're in a gang That's and you got all home. your gang buddies in there, it's like, it's like a, a roof over your head. They love it, but but I'm 36 with four kids on the street. I don't want to live that. Yeah. So they're making Pruno. Well, Pruno Pruno affects you and I because if they get caught, the whole place is shut down. What the hell is Pruno? 
It's the uh, it's the fermented uh, fruit that they make the yeah. wine. They make wine in there, yeah. and then every Sunday night they'll all get shit faced and they'll be t- t- setting fire alarms, on, pulling you know pulling the water thing so the tear flow. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. But I always remember the, the so was, is it segregated like oh, blacks dude. here, whites here, Mexicans here? Oh, a hundred a hundred percent. You oh, could, you could no, you no no. It's California, dude. California. So if you're listening to this and you live in any other state. There is nothing like the California prison system. Nothing. Nothing. It is the biggest criminal enterprise ever, dude. Ever. Anyhow. And why is that? Is it because of we're so close to the border? Was it? Well, it's because there's, they don't want conflict, so they let things go on in there, man. The guard, Well, if you're a guard and you're ma- happily married with two kids at home, you're not going to be fighting with the Nortenos. You're not going to be breaking anything up. You're going to do just enough to go home. That's yeah. the reality. You're a, you're a correctional officer. You're not a cop. You can't shoot them. So yeah, it's, you just see how everything's so going. So they're fully operating there. Yeah, and then and then I know I know it sounds weird, but I knew a couple of the CEOs, and they you know they would they they would do a, they would put music on my intercom at night for me, and they'd come by see if I needed anything. So I used to work out with them at the gym. A lot of the meatheads are, yeah. are CEOs. Yeah. So I had that going, but but I knew by talking to some of the older the older people in in the white crew, I I, I knew that uh I knew that I needed to get out of there, and I knew that I couldn't keep fighting. A, 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 a baseless thing. I, cu- I couldn't. I had to go to prison. And I know people are like, what? Yeah, when you're in county jail and you realize what goes on and you realize the nightmare you're in, you, you can't wait to get to prison. I know that sounds crazy. But yeah, so I signed it. So and what I, was the scariest part about the, like the, the, uh, well, there's nothing scary in county jail unless you're, unless you're going against the, unless you're going against the grain, unless you, unless you haven't accepted. You're, you're, if you haven't accepted the fact that you just murdered somebody and, and, and you're still running around, like, then, then there's going to be problems. They'll start problems with you. But for the most part, you just keep to yourself. You do a lot of time in your, they don't let you out. They don't let you out to commingle for obvious reasons. I mean, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to realize that they don't let, if you're high on heroin and you go out and shoot everybody and you 18 years old, well, sooner or later when you're sober, that's going to hit you. Like, yeah. oh my God, I'm never going home. Yeah. Yeah, well, that could take a toll on, yeah. on the brain. So they don't let they don't let a bunch of criminals co-mingle. They just don't. So county jail is more to fight your case, to to get to get yourself equipped to go to prison. So that's another visit I had with my mom. My mom thought because she's a mom that her little boy's never going to prison. I keep right. saying that word. Yeah, and she's like, no, you know. And I was like, yeah, mom, I, I'm signing and I'm going, and I'll see you. I'll see you when I see you, you know, and then, and then that's it. And then you got to You got to do things inside of your mind. You got to become, you got to say goodbye to the outside you can't be in prison and, and, and deal with outdoor. I couldn't deal with anything like, like say if you, my buddy JD had passed away, God forbid or something. I couldn't deal with any of that. You can't write letters on that. You got to leave everything on the streets. You can't do nothing on the, you can't cause there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. Nothing. So all the visits I had to tell my mom, because I did a, I did a year up north, it's central, uh, right outside Visalia, a, a little town called Delano. I did a, I did a eight months up there at a reception center because I was white first term of 30, 36 years old, and I had high blood pressure. And they won't ship you out until all your, your, all your stuff is good. So I had to get the blood pressure down, and that's huge because I had to figure out a way to shut my brain off and, and, and adapt a lifestyle inside of a reception center 
with 22 counties all coming there. So you got all different types of people there. And, uh, and I had to find a way to get my blood pressure to where it needed to be so I could be shipped out. And I was praying that I would go to a, to a prison down here so my family could visit me. Yeah. I was getting no visits up there. I'm five and a half hours away. Wow. So, uh, so, uh, I found, uh, I found the church. I found the ministry and I found, um, where did you find the ministry? In, in church. I mean, in, uh, excuse me, in prison. In, Every, so, so yeah. you finally got sent off to prison. No. So I'm at the reception center, which is prison. Yes. Okay. But you, you're still waiting for your final destination. Some people, some short terms, they'll do all their time there. But I wanted, I put in with my counselor to come home down here. Yeah. In uh, Riverside County, I wanted to go to I wanted to go to CRC Norco, and I put in a request for that. Now, I, I mean, I have nothing coming, but I'm hoping that they they you know agree with that. I want to see my family. I want to re, be able to readjust. So anyway, I'm up there, and, uh, and all right. So so I'm, I'm I'm up there, and I know I know for a fact I'm not leaving anytime soon. My blood pressure needs to come down and I need to figure out a way. So what I started to do is I started reading. So Amazon is the only way you can get books. So my mom, and you can only get four books a month, one a week. So my mom would send me one book a week. So in my time in prison, fast forward the whole term I did, I read 140 books. Wow. 140 books. Okay. Never the same one twice, because I, I don't understand that, why somebody would read the same book twice, but that's for another conversation. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I'm in there, and then there comes a time that after reading and after your mind relaxing and after you, uh, after you're, you're, you look around and you say, okay, this is going to be okay, and the, all the letters I'm sending my kids, I'm starting to get them back from my kids, and my mom is forgiving me. But guess the one thing that, that I've yet to be able to do? is forgive myself yeah, yourself. and you know and i know that you're nothing you're stuck in life unless you forgive yourself for all past transgressions every one of them right. doesn't matter how monumental right. they were it doesn't matter if you brought down a whole family which i did yes. you have to forgive yourself and the moment you forgive yourself anybody who's done it out there will know they'll remember everything about it that's how that that's how huge it is so so the uh so the chaplain at the, at the prison, um, on, on our ward, he would slide books underneath my door and I would read them and I'm reading this one and it's all about, it's all, it's all the story of, a, it's, the book is called A Million Little Pieces, okay? Yeah. It was Oprah Book Club. Yeah. And JD, it was like the book made for Keith Gallo. Because the words are far apart and it's an easy read. Yeah, that's now right. I'm not saying I can't read one of those almanacs, but I don't like it. Right. And I got to keep rereading the same because I f get lost in it because it's so much. So this million little pieces, and I remember there was a rubber band around it because a lot of the pages. And I start reading this, and the, and the, and what I got out of it is Keith Gallo's life, if you look back on it, is in a million little pieces. So what do you do at that moment? Do you go back and try and put it all together? It's in a million little pieces. So you move on from it. Yeah. It's over. It's done. And if you haven't read the book, do yourself a favor. You finish it in two days. And the book was from a drug addict. And it all made sense. So listen, I'm reading this book and I finish in the morning and I got a, I got a bunkie. And because I'm in my late 30s, I get the bottom bunk. The, the older person always gets the bottom yeah. bunk. So dude, I'm in my thing and I get up. 
and I'm finishing the book near the door because I'm going to put it back under the door. And then I just start crying and I'm crying profusely. And then my tears are, are all over the place. Like I'm crying. Yeah. And I start laughing and I start crying and I start sweating. The bunkie's like, hey, dude, are you okay? Do I need to call? Do I need to push the button? Because he thinks I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going fucking nuts. Yeah. But I wasn't. What I was doing was I was going normal. I was, come, I was forgiving myself at that moment, dude. Yeah. And, dude, it was the great. I, I, I got chills. It was the greatest 35 seconds of my life, dude. I forgave myself at that moment. I listed. I named everybody. Wow. I named everybody. And I just, I apologize. I'm sorry. And the word, dude, the words were coming out clear as day. You could, and then I just remember that I need, listen to me. I forgave myself. I sweated. I toweled off. I dried off. I apologized to this dude because he he, he was ready to push the button. He, He thought, he thought that I had finally lost my mind. Yeah. So I get down, and I was a big, huge uh, letter writer. I wrote a letter every day I was in there. To, to, and obviously, I had a bunch of people to write them to, so it yeah. wasn't like I was writing. So I sat down, and I penned a letter to my daughter because for some reason, the Holy Spirit was telling me that it was her. That's who I needed to apologize to. More than anyone, I needed to make my daughter understand that daddy ain't around because of X, Y, and Z. And I wrote her a, yeah, I wrote her a three-page letter. She still has it to this day. It's all fold, you know, it had to be folded. It had to sit yeah. and it's on yellow, yellow paper. And I, I, I could, you know, if we had time or for another day, I could tell you everything written in it, word, word for word. It was unbelievable. Like, and, it, and, it ha- and it happened to me. So, yeah. you, so you said the Holy Spirit. Had you gotten with the church prior to no, this? No, all I did was read. I just kept reading. And the reading. chaplain, what did you say to the chaplain? Well, he, he Who gave would, that to you. We're like, dude, you had to put, you had to put in for it. So he would come around and he would slide books under the people who had wanted them. And the thing was, is he needed those books back to the way he gave them to you. Cause in prison, I mean, I don't mean to go off on this cause th- that wasn't my intention to come here and talk about, you know, what goes on inside. But when you no, borrow, is- when you borrow something from somebody in prison, for those of you about to go, you better give it back the way you got it. Yeah. Cause if you don't, you got something coming. Yeah. Regardless, I don't care if it's a stitch on a pair of shorts, it doesn't matter. And the stuff that people do in there is they make you shorts, they make you, you know, they make you stuff. And you got to pay them and you pay them through soups and you pay, like you see in the movies, it's the same thing. So anyway, so I always remember that when you read that book, you got to read it with intent. You can't just be careful. No, dude, you can't. Yeah, you get. Yeah, exactly. You got to be careful. So I just remember. And I just remember that I read 140 books and my, my mom sent a lot of them. And then a lot of them I got from the chaplain. But a lot of the books are you're going from like uh, Nelson DeMille, which is fictional based on true stories. Yep. And then you go from fiction to real life, like a Derek Jeter book or, and then you, you're just in a place where you don't want to read any nonsense. So you, so you go, you go to the one book where there's no nonsense and then you read the Bible front to back. You know, you're a, you know, you're a, 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 a ward of the state when you read the Bible back, you know, back to front. Yeah. And I did it and it was torture. You want to know why it was torture? Because there's parts of the Bible that are just like, no, no way, no way. They were doing the same thing. I, they were, there was criminals back then. Yeah. There, 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 there was sinners. adultery. Yes. And then you're like, no way, dude. So then I get to post it on the door. I get to post it on the door. And it says, I'm going to CRC in Norco, my last prison for my last year. Yeah. I'm going there. 
And I'm like, no way, dude. Jesus answered my prayers. I wanted to go home. I could have went. There's a lot of prisons in this state. Yeah. Remember, I told you, it's a right. criminal enterprise. Yes. They got a lot of them. So I went to see, which is exactly 35 minutes from my mom's door. So I knew I'd get visits every week or every other week. And, uh, you know, and. Now, but you hadn't been with the church yet at this point. No, I haven't been with the church. Okay. Yet, but I'm reading. So I'm educating myself. But did you give, did you give the chaplain like a, because he was the one who gave you the Million Pieces book. You didn't ask for a million pieces, right? The book? The Million Little Pieces came from, it, it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a book of Christ. It wasn't a book of the church. It right. was just a book. A book, he right. Wrapped in a rubber band because it was all torn apart. But he gave that to you yes. out of the blue. He slid it under my, under my door, Yes. And Did you ever it. give him props? Like, yo, bro, that that's well, the book. Well, you know, we, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it. To, to be honest, I don't think I did. But I, I, I know today that there was a gentleman in, in a in a in a prison somewhere in California that sent me a book that uh, that changed my life, that made me realize that, that was the book. Yes, that was the book, dude. Yes, and when I got home, I gave back. I bought that book for three or four people that I, I, I that are near and dear to me, and I said, do yourself a re- favor and read this book. And if you get out of it, the drugs were cool in it, then, then, then reread it. Read it until you realize that everything you did yesterday is in a million little pieces and you're going to spend the rest of your life putting it back together. It's in a million little pieces yes. for a reason. Yeah. Leave it there. Yeah. So I got to CRC and I, you, you get adapted and, and there's a story behind getting there too. And nothing ever goes as planned, dude. I, it was, it was overcrowded. Dude, I, I get off the bus in CRC and all I can think of that is that in a week or two, I'll have street clothes, I'll have Nikes, I'll have workouts, I'll have racquetball, freaking dude, handball, excuse me, handball, not, um, basketball, I'll have meals like you wouldn't believe, dude, that I can make on my own, I'll have a locker. And a- anyway, I, I get to the thing and the, they let everybody off the bus, they check everybody in and sun's coming up because they transport you at night, the sun's coming up and I'm yet to be sent to, to my cell. And the warden wants to see me and one other guy. And he brings us in. And he goes, hey, listen, I don't have room for you today. So you can either go back to Delano, where I came from, or you can go to Chino. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. See? Anybody with a brain knows that you, don't, you stay away from Chino State Prison. It's the worst. Yeah. He goes, but you'll only be there for a few days until, I can get, until uh, spots open up for two white kids on the yard. <laughs> What, dude? I'm so close. It's right there. I can smell the food. Yeah. So I go to Chino, dude. <laughs> dude, dude. The police, the, the COs are in hazmat suits, uh, police visors, urine bombs. Shit, dude. Are you? F- oh, dude. The d- dude. American History X, dude. For, for, for legit. There's people out on the yard sleeping. I was in a cage on a. Ha- I was in a in a cage in a hammock sleeping. It was lunacy. So I go and I finally get put in my, I finally get put in my cell. Were you, were you petrified? Dude, I was petrified. I didn't move. I didn't ask for a book. I didn't ask for nothing. I didn't talk to no. I didn't go get food. I got nothing. I got the brown bag they gave you every morning. That's what I had. And that's what I was determined. I didn't Was anybody move. in your cell with you? You're alone? Uh, no, it's the kid I was with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we're waiting on, we're waiting on that call. So, uh. Were so people for, like, were people shouting at you when you came in and. Just like the movies. Just like the movies. Just like them. And, uh, what and, were they saying on the way in? Just like, 
oh, dude, you, you don't even know. There's toilet paper. Dude, there's, and, and then all the cells have plexiglass because people were throwing urine bombs and, and t- things out there. So all the cell doors. What the hell's a urine bomb? The, the kids were pissing in the bags and throwing them at the, at the COs. Yeah, shitting in the bags, throwing them at the, yeah. So they're wearing, oh they're wearing God. smocks, big, huge plastic smocks. Because they're getting with hit with shit and piss. Yeah, yeah. Like COVID back in the day, shields, mad. Yeah, they're getting, yes. And they're, they're street, oh, dude. Oh, it's lunacy. And then out on the yard's even worse, man. I had to walk through the yard to get out of there. So four days later, we get a call and they say they're they're taking us they're taking us to uh to CRC. So we get to so we so we get there and uh, so now we're in uh yeah we're in we're in deep in the two two thousand eight and uh, th- th- everything started happening great. I started going on the yard. I formed a uh, formed an exercise program. The the uh, the uh, the warden came and passed one day and t- gave me the thumbs up, which is you which is huge to somebody who's uh like th- that that was that was m- that was one of the times where I knew I was doing good. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm in there and I'm doing something good. And then I volunteer for a job. And then you're, I'm a short termer by this point. I'm I'm under a year, so I can't get a. Obama had just taken jobs away from leaving the prison which is on the outside so i was working at a printing press when i got there but obama shut down outside jobs so you couldn't leave the gate to go work at the printing press so i lost that so i volunteered for the kitchen job and you start so i was doing dishes at 4 30 in the morning doing dishes getting ready setting up feeding everybody and then doing the dishes when they were done so i was doing that then i was going right to the yard working out running doing pull-ups the whole nine water bags uh, uh, magazines to, to, uh, oh, dude, it was crazy so I was getting full workouts in CO, COs were f- cool to me I became a porter I did everything by the book and before you know it I was I was I was set in my daily routine I had a good a good bunkies there was four to a four to a four to a dorm there and I good bunkies good, good uh, a good way of life going on as, yeah. as much as can be. I was getting visits every week, but I was still missing something. I was still, I was still hollow. I was still vacant. I had forgiven myself, but I, I hadn't filled myself back up yet, for lack of a better, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, so that's Thursday night. Uh, some deep into 2008, I go down to the, I go down to the mess hall, and uh, and they're having a church down there from Cornerstone. Ron Armstrong from Cornerstone is down there, yeah. and he's preaching, and he's talking right to me. And I know this has happened to you when you're at church, and everything that person's saying, it doesn't matter. A bomb could go off, and you're just, yeah. And he's, they're talking to you, yeah. And everything is relative towards you and your life on that on that particular day, oh, yeah. and you're just like eyes wide open and this pastor was so cool that you could go talk to him after and he didn't need he didn't need to wave the guards off because nobody would harm him right. and I talked to him and I was like where are you at he's like I'm in I'm in Wildemar California I'm in Wildemar uh, uh, 35 and I was like oh my god I, that's where I'm going I'm going to Marietta right yeah. there he goes yeah I own Cornerstone Church boom 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 Thursday after Thursday after Thursday I start doing all the work I, we start having Bible study in the room so, so this is this is this is in the in prison. Yeah, this is at the beginning of the summer, two thousand eight. Yep. I'm about to get out in two thousand nine, January. That's my EPRD, your earliest po- possible release date. Yep. And as long as you have an EPRD date, you you you're good. Yeah. Some people don't have that. Oof. So anyway, so I got my date. I got my visits. So every Thursday. So every Thursday I'm down there. That's because he was there every Thursday. He was there every Thursday. You're talking about the owner of a church. He's coming there to save lives. Wow. And that was my point to you when I talked to you months ago. I said, I'm in this chair today to talk to those people, not to talk to the millionaires that want to become bigger millionaires. Yeah. I I mean, God bless you. Yeah. I'm here to talk to the people with no hope 
that are just starting out that are trying to fill their minds and bodies up with goodness with 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 stuff that makes sense yeah rather than stuff that that's going to alienate them from the people that that they're trying to get to yeah so i got my business i got everything and then uh all of a sudden there's a and and they don't tell you nothing in prison but they, there's a there's a letter on the there's a post-it on the on the door a, a big piece of paper on the on the mess hall door saying no more thursday night chapel no more ministry on thursday nights and I, dude i freak out i go run into the co that i know that works in the kitchen that's cool with me that'll tell me the truth because they all lie to you you know yeah that's their job and he's like listen uh pastor ron won't be coming back and he's not sending anyone you know and that's it but he won't be coming back so he didn't lie to me so oh, yeah next thursday don't worry about it you know yeah and so uh so there went that what did they say to say why mm -mm. They can't. They can't say why. M matter of fact, JD, when something bad happens in California um, on the news, they, they shut the TVs off. They, they'll they'll mute the TVs. They they don't they don't want you knowing about stuff that goes on in the street that has to do with like uh, that stuff that could affect your mindset inside because uh. they don't want any problems. Not saying that 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 was going to be a problem, but yeah, very little info unless you can get it from the streets. My mom, but my mom didn't give me nothing because she was a Catholic and she went to Catholic. She was the furthest thing away from Christian church, you know. Right. So, so with that being said, I get, um, I get released January 2000. Did you get saved while you were in prison? So I'm counting, great question. So I don't know if it's fair and I don't know if you're going to like this answer, but I'm counting, I saved myself. I was given the opportunity to save myself and I did it. And I believe I did it that day I forgave myself. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Now with that being said, who else has the opportunity to stop what they were doing on the streets, get arrested, go to a jail cell and figure out their life with no bills, no, no kids, no dad, no Keith, no, nothing. I got that opportunity and people are like, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, who else has the opportunity to save their lives and take advantage of it in a little room where nobody bothering me? I never went to the mailbox. I never got a late payment. I never, I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was figure out what was making me do what I was doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm sober. And believe me, staying sober in California prison system is harder to do than staying sober on the streets. Really? Oh, God, dude. You can get high, you, you, you get high all day in there. That's just how they, they'd rather, well, they'd rather have you on your back than standing up causing problems, right? Yeah. So the pill line was two miles long. No I mean, shit. Yes, dude. Whatever you were doing on the streets in California, you do in there. So if you were taking hormone pills to become whatever yeah. on the street, you get them in there. If you were taking Suboxone on the streets, you take it in there. So everything transitions. Yes, killers, everything. They're still, it's a, dude, it's a criminal enterprise. They're making their money. So anyway, <laughs> so I'm in there. So I say, I had an opportunity, and I say this to all the young kids I talk to. You're going to be given chances in life to save your own life. Your parents aren't going to do it. You're going to ask for all. You got to do it. That way it stays. It sticks. But it's hard to do because of all the variables. The yeah. rent that is due. The, the girlfriend's yelling at you. The car won't start. The, I didn't have any of that. So by the grace of Jesus, I was put in prison to make my... You, yeah. you, you don't Otherwise believe Otherwise, you, you wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it. You'd but, have been... And I would have taken a lot of people down with me. Yeah. Right? Four children. My mom. People don't realize that when you're an addict, dude, it affects the whole family. Oh, yeah. So if you go to bed tonight thinking you're, you're, you're holed up in an apartment somewhere getting high and out of... No. Dude, your parents go through the same thing. Your grandparents, yeah. your siblings, your brothers, your, they all feel it. 
It's universal. Yeah. yeah. It's a universal collapse. Yep. Okay. So with that being said, I I discharge I discharge uh, out of out of prison. But then people don't understand being on parole is just like being in prison. But now you got all those variables back. Right. So you're still you're still you got still got your number. You didn't discharge your number yet. You're still on the streets. So I, uh, so my, you know, my mom's remarried at this time and I can't go to her house and I, I really got no place to go. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to sound sad here, but I, I, when I got out, I had two pairs of pants and a pair of Adidas with the shell, with the shell front. That's yeah. what I had. In oh, my, yeah. That's what I had in my closet. Yeah. They took everything that ever, that ever belonged to me. When I say they, it doesn't matter, but all the people I knew loved me, you know, they yeah. took everything, my car, my, everything. So anyway, so I get to my dad's, I, I paroled to my dad's. And I'm in there, and my mom takes me to, to Starbucks off of Marriott Hot Springs, and she sits down, and she's like, "Okay, we couldn't tell you all this in, in we couldn't tell you all this while you were in prison because you told us not to. Remember, no problems from the streets could come right. inside because yeah. there's nothing you can do. Nothing to do about it. So I'm starting my journey, and I got 200 bucks. California gives you 200 bucks to get out. Now, if you want to stay clean and sober, and you want to do right by yourself and your children you can't just get handouts it can't come easy to you because you're going to be right back yeah in a million little pieces right okay so as long as we agree there so she tells me she's like listen uh uh your ex has taken a turn for the worse as far as drugs now you need to go get your kids we have we have twenty five hundred dollars from your bank i apparently i had money in an account that my mom had kept open so we used I had, I think, 2400 bucks. My, my mom might have given me some. And I went and got an attorney. And I started the journey to getting my kids back. So what do you, what do you mean? What She informed you that things to turn for the worse with your ex? As far as ex doing drugs. And that my kids were, were in imminent danger. What and, kind and, of drugs and, was she doing? Uh, you know what? I, uh, pills, I believe. Yeah, pills. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to elaborate too much. I don't want to go down that, yeah, okay. that road. Got it. Because she's still currently battling. Yeah. So what I want to get across is I spent the greater part of 2009 uh, into 2010 setting, setting up to get custody of my four kids. And the only way I could do that was get a job where, it was, where I was making an inordinate amount of money that would still hire me. And then what I could do is I could, I could go and infiltrate their, their, my, my, my wife and my kid's house and I could clean it and I could make sure they were, they were at school and I do all this and I'm doing all this with no car. Yeah. I'm getting rides and I'm going to AA meetings and I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to church and all this stuff. So I go and I, I figure out, yeah. So you went to church as soon as you got out, you went right As soon to as church. I got church, I went to Cornerstone. Yeah. Did you okay. see that? Ron... Yeah. Listen, listen, listen. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, Ron's, uh, Ron's not back yet but there's a story okay. behind it. So Ron's not back yet. So I go and I infiltrate. I got an attorney in Hemet. And, and by the way, dude, that, that, that's the worst. That's the second worst place in California is the Hemet family law. It, it, you're, you're, you don't sleep the night before. You don't sleep while you're... It's, it's horrible to go to family law. Cause Fam, what is it, family? Family court. It's where ah, you're fighting okay, for... Got it. it's, it's awful. It's just an awful experience. So I'm going there. I'm doing what I need to do. I, need to do. I don't need to do any drug diversion. I don't need to do anything, really. I don't even need to be there. But I'm setting, I'm setting up to, to get my kids, to extract them. Yes. So that's in, a, that's in 2009 into 2010. And then um, so, so we go there. And uh, my, w- with the help of my attorney, I get custody of my kids. My wife is so far off the deep end. Uh, 
the uh, Child Protective Services, they, they write a letter on my behalf. I got everything lined up, and I spent a year doing it. So June 18th, 2010, I get full permanent custody of my kids while I'm on parole. That's how bad it was. Wow. So that's the first win for me, dude. That's the first, uh, that's the first thing that I can just be like, yeah, I, I can do this. So then I go from working at Gold's Gym, which my old, my, you know, I know everybody, everybody loves Keith Gow. For some reason, people, yeah. all, everybody still loves me for all yeah. the damage. So I get a job at Gold's Gym training people. Boom. I, I fall in love with that sport. You know, give them back a little. They're, I'm already jacked from, from prison. I'm, I'm in a whole different uh, mindset with my body. I'm ripped. I'm running all the time, all that. So I get a job at Gold's Gym. And then I get custody of my kids. And then I got to get out of my dad's because no matter how much... Uh, someone loves you there's always going to be the discord will cause a rift dude me and four kids at my dad's yeah it's eventually going to become a problem right so i went ahead and got a car a cop an ex-cop had sold me his cruiser so i'm cruising around in a cop car with a cb oh and, a, and a lantern light yeah dude this is a true story so i'm and i go to my mom again um my mom and grandma i go to them at starbucks and i said uh i said my next step is to get a home oh just stay at your dad i said no i, I go i can feel it some she says okay we'll go so i go to i go to rent a house but that's a background check obviously yeah so listen so i've educated my mind and my mind is so free and i got nothing to hide i've completely forgiven myself i ask my future landlord for a meeting at century 21 in temecula i want to talk to the century 21 people that are trying to rent your home and i want to talk to the owner of the home my guy sets that up and I talk to them and I tell them exactly what I did. And they say, okay, we'll let you know within 24 hours. So I'm at Gold's Gym the following morning and I get a, uh, I get a call on my little flip phone. It was 2000, flip yeah, with the flip phone, with the Yankee flip phone. Yeah. And uh, it says, uh, you can get the house contingent. You have to give first, last, and another security. Yeah. So I had to come up with uh, I had to come up with over three thousand bucks to get right. in this house. Now, granted, it's only three bedrooms, and I got four kids in me. So we put the two older boys in one room. My daughter has her own room, and then I'm sharing a room at 38 years old with my with my eight year old. And let me tell you what, dude. To this day, if you asked any of those kids if they were here, it was the best time of their lives, dude. That was the best. 1,300 square feet, five people. Yeah. Just solid, dude. Solid. Wow. So then my life's changing again. And now, you know, all the bad I've told over this last hour and so, now everything's starting to come, you know, full circle. Yep. And I'm, I'm letting it. I'm accepting it. And then I go to the Gold's Gym one day and my, uh, a buddy of mine comes up and goes, hey, I'm opening, a, I'm opening Tilted Kilt in Temecula and I want you to work for me. He goes, do security. We'll keep you off the books. And he goes, and eventually I'll put you behind the bar. He goes, I love what you did. Uh, he goes, uh, he, he used to be a huge friend of ours. He was in the restaurant industry too. He goes, I love you. I love your family. He goes, you've proven to me beyond a shadow. And he goes, I'm going to bring you in. He goes, I'm the GM over there. So he brought me in. Now that now I become a bartender after six, seven months. Yeah. Now I'm making money hand over fist, dude. To be a bartender in Temecula yeah. at that time, it's yeah. unprecedented yeah. money. Right. So anyway, I start putting money away, putting money away, and then eventually that ends up. So now I go to church <laughs> with my mom and grandma. I'm, try I'm slowly trying to get them into Christianity away from the Catholic church, and I, I bring them in there. And the, the lights turn on at church, and who comes walking out to talk? Ron Armstrong. Ron. It's his first day back. 
since 2008. His son, I, I, I don't, I, I wasn't there. So all I know is that he stopped ministering. He still owned it. He stopped ministering because his son was at a bar um, in Temecula. And there was some out-of-towners behind the bar causing problems with a woman. His son went out there to save the girl and got stabbed and died. That night he was supposed to be at, at a CRC prison really? to talk to us that day. You're kidding me. Nope. That's why he didn't come. That's why he supposedly wow. Yeah. So his son passed, and it took him almost a year and a half, two years to get over it, to actually go back out on that stage. Dude, there wasn't a dry eye in that church. I was bawling uncontrolled. I had to leave. I couldn't believe it. And my mom is like, that's the guy. I go, that's Ronald. That's the guy. That's the guy who convinced me that all things are possible through, through Jesus, through, through, through the Bible, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking to a back east Italian kid, me against the world. You talk, and it started breaking me down spiritually. I started being like, wow, dude, yeah. this is crazy. All these good things are happening in my life because of Jesus, because of yeah. the Lord. But, I've, but I still got that. So Ron, in the, in the correction, for the, the prison. Yeah is when you basically, you had already uh, forgiven yourself, but then you, it, it would, would you say you accepted Jesus into your life at that point? Like, what, is that what happened? No, I didn't know. I didn't know about any of that. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know that there was particular verses yeah. that have to be said to you that, 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 have to be, that have to have that happen. Right. Now, okay. in, in, in all honesty, I wasn't saved until uh, last year. My workout partner, his name is Kerry, he, he, uh, the, the morning I decided to be saved, he took me and he sat me down in the office at my gym at, at Rep's training facility in, in, uh, Marietta and I was saved and he, uh, he put his hand on me, man. And that, and that, that's the day, that's the day I decided to, uh, wow, dude, that's yeah. the day that Keith Gallows, my life changed. I, I decided to be a better human being and, uh, and I'm talking about as the way I talk to people and where I'm going to be on uh, Sunday and, and all the things that I thought I was doing right. Like you can revert back to when you were a child, man. When I was a child, I told you, I used to sit at the window and wait for my dad to come home. Right. Yeah. And, and he didn't. And then, and then maybe he did, but I sat there and waited. That's trauma. So what do I, so what did I thought I should do? The, the, the brain. I think that because I go to bed every night at seven 30 and where, where, where do my kids know I am? They know I'm home in right. bed. Yeah. So I thought that 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 was being, that that was being the greatest dad. You know, I would. In other words, I was sick of winning the Daddy of the Year award. I I wanted to to be. I wanted to grow spiritually. I wanted to grow. Like, what do I need to do to be happy? I I, I was the best dad. I, at least I thought I was. You know. Yeah. And money wasn't an option. I didn't want money. I didn't want, I didn't want uh, to go out every night. I didn't want to know a million people anymore. I didn't want to go to Ralph's and talk to nine people. I, di I didn't. I just wanted to, to eat good food and, and train and, and own a training facility and give back to the kids and everything. But again, I was, I w it was almost like an addiction. I, was, I, I, I wanted to buy the training facility because then I could be the boss, right? Yep, yep. And then I wanted to only bring in certain clients, which left a lot of money on the table. I mean, I could be rich now yeah. if I ran it properly, right. but I didn't right. because I wanted to be there. I didn't want to do the online stuff. I didn't want to hire people. I didn't want to do all the advertising. I didn't want to do all the, all. I didn't, yeah. right? Yeah. So... So, th so therefore I fell short again and then, uh, and then I'm stuck, but I'm still not doing 
I'm still not doing drugs, so I'm good. You know, right. I'm sober, yeah. and I'm I'm a great dad, and, and and all this stuff, and I'm always there for my kids, and you know, nobody's really playing sports anymore. I'm still coaching Nick, maybe a little, a few years back, yep. but I got the gym, and then um, and then COVID hit, and uh, what, what what are we at? 2019 right now? Yeah, uh, 20. Okay. Yeah, late 19, early 20. Yeah, so uh, in March, and none of that makes sense to me, right? So now I'm this. So now I'm this stay-at-home dad. I got I got the girlfriend uh, Heidi, who's here now. I got her. Uh, her daughters are fabulous. We got like a blended family. I got four. She's got two. Her ex-husband's cool. Everything is good. And COVID hits, and I'm like, wait a minute, COVID. What is this? I I gotta I gotta stay home, wear a mask, go to my go to my mailbox, get my bills, and pay them, but I can't go to my job. So I totally, within 48 hours, I told my kids, I said, take those things off. You ain't wearing them. Because I had reached out to my, I'm, I'm ISSA certified, which is the best cert you can get uh, because it's national. Yeah. Like if I was to move, I could bring it with me. Right. And then they, up, they update you every two years. This for training. Yeah, for training. So I, I immediately reached out to them and they sent me literature saying that it was crap. Don't put a mask on. Don't have anybody in your facility put a mask on. Who, who wants to breathe their own breath? That's impossible. Yeah. You don't want to do that. So anyway, so I caught I, I I went right uh, I went right to my police friends, and I said to him, I go, dude, what what happens if I stay? He's like, hey, listen, man, we're not going to enforce nothing. He goes, if you're going to stay open, Keith, sh- keep the doors closed and just let everybody in one at a time and do your thing, but don't put it in nobody's face. Yeah, because somebody's going to tell. Because that's what everybody was. That's what they wanted everybody yeah. to do. So so I stayed open, and during all that stuff, dude, I start thinking. I start I start thinking that Jesus gave this gave this nightmare to me so I can make decisions. I can make them for me because now I don't have, I, I, I got, I got to figure out what this is all about, man. I got, I got to figure out why COVID-19 is hindering my business. And what am I doing? Yeah. Do I stay open? Don't I? And, and I'm like, my mom's moved to St. George, Utah. I, I got no back. I got no, nothing there. My dad hasn't reached out to say, Hey, you okay? Nobody really gives a shit. Right. So I got all these trainers work and it's like a barbershop. The trainers come in, they pay me rent and then they got their space. They're sole proprietors. Yeah. But I got all them to watch out for. I got people coming in telling me that I'm killing people. I, I can't go to Rouse without oh, yeah. stopping me. And then all of a sudden I was like, all right, Gallo, dude, relax, man. You got to figure out what to do here. You have to. You're in an industry that's, that's desiring an answer from you. I have to step up. And then I was just like, and, and nobody really looks at that because a lot of people work for somebody and then they wanted to work at home or they wanted, or they were, you know, pr- they're prospering from this yeah. COVID. Well, I'm not. Yeah. So I had to make decisions and I decided to stay open. And then I decided to voice my opinion to those who would listen. Look, now, if there's any advice I can give people who have a voice and want to use it, your objective is never to talk to people to change their minds. The people who talk to people to change their minds, it's like talking to the breath. Oh, dude, a hundred percent. Yeah. Don't talk to me like you want to change my mind and I'll do the same to you. Let's just talk rationally right here. Yeah. And then I went to doctor. Dude, I did my, I went to doctors. Should my son be going to school? No, I pulled my son out of school. I'm one of the few people that pull, I pulled my kid out of school. Yeah. He was 16. Right. And I put him inside and I didn't even make him do the online thing because you're not going to sit there and grade my kid on. I mean, what is that? It's ridiculous. So then the schools opened back up and then I had another say, he's 17 now. He's going to be a, you know, he's going to be a junior. And, and I said, I said, well, I'll be at the school to talk to you. Okay, you have to wear a mask, Mr. Gal. I said, well, then I won't be at the school to talk to you. Call me when I can come in there. 
So me and my kid go in there a few months later, and, and we sit down, and I told them, I said, listen, I brought my son here today because I want the vice principal and his counselor to tell him why he can't come to the school maskless, but then put a mask on to go inside of that, that classroom. JD, it was the best dad moment because when we left there, I had them tell my son it was because of the dollar. That's why. They straight up said it. They, they told, they had to because I made them. I forced their hand to tell them. The only reason these kids were wearing masks inside of those classrooms, they, they didn't have to wear one in the quad area. Yeah. Because if somebody told that that particular school district wasn't wearing masks, they'd be defunded. They wouldn't be paid. Yep. So it's the dollar. So my son's leaving our 17-year-old skater long. You know Nick. Yeah. He, lo he looks at me and he hits me and he goes, thanks, Dad. That, 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 that's, a, that's a decision I made. Man. Yeah. Yeah. During all this nightmare. So then, uh, you know, so then the other shoe falls and 2021 comes and my landlord comes to me. And he's like, listen, new lease is up. You've been here six years. Your rent's going to go up 300 bucks, 3% each year. Do you want to sign it? I call my mom. She gives me the number to an attorney that she used to work for for 30, 34 years. I call him. And he's like, no, you'll be hanging yourself. Don't sign it. So, you, <laughs> so I call my guy and I was like, yeah, dude, I don't think so. I go, when September ends, I think I'm done. You know, people are calling me, dude, so much support poured, yeah. poured into my life. So much so people, I didn't even know have my number. Yeah. And uh, I decided to open up in my home, dude. I had a four-car garage. I'm looking around my thing. I said, okay, but if I do this, I'm doing it first class. TV, mirrors, painted it, flooring, turf inside. So I just have a mini reps training facility. Now I have it at home. Yeah. My bills are cut in half, and most of my clients stuck. And, you know, without sounding conceited, the ones that left, I wanted to leave. Yeah. Okay, those are the ones that were coming in groups, taking up home. So now I got now I got some people that want to make a difference in their lives, and they want to change their lives with my guidance. Yep. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, I'm a I'm a I'm a better person today, and I, I'm reaching out to you to spend time with you because I I can't unlike you I can't stand the phone I can't stand social media because it's it's just it's just a bunch of bullshit. I understand you make you make all your money and and it it's your stepping stone to making money i understand that and it could not, be mine not, it's not necessarily the main driving factor though. okay okay yeah. but but i get what you're saying but you get what yeah, i'm yeah, saying yeah and i refuse to do it and i've had people dude i've had people banging on my head telling me you gotta do it. i refuse to do it i refuse to spend any time on a thing and i still make a decent living and there's of course there's days where i wish but listen to me dude it's it's not the money the money was a problem for me yeah I don't womanize. I don't look. I don't talk because it was a problem for me. I don't. I don't interact with drugs because it was a problem for me. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't even get down yeah. with that or alcohol or nothing. So, so we're heading into 2022. My daughter comes to me and says, "I'm pregnant. You're going to have a grandson." So then there, another life decision. I'm like, "All right, now do I want to? Do I want the, the new generation of gallows or, or you know, in her case, it was." Campbell, her fiance, she's since been asked to marry, and she said yes. That was a couple weeks ago. Um, the day I was out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that now all of a sudden I'm like, oh my god, I got to go one step further in my life, dude. I can't have the trauma, the generational trauma that has been going on in my life. It's got to stop because now babies are coming in. Yes. So I said, all right, what do I have to do? I don't want to see. First and foremost, I don't want my grandson to see his grandpa up here, down here, up here, down here. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I started looking into the microdose and the mushrooms, man. I don't know if you wanted to get into this, but yeah. Tell me. Dude, dude. 
I was pushed for two years. I had one of my good friends in the industry, the, the health and wellness industry. Yeah. Because we're not, we're, we didn't te- really teach bodybuilding. We, we, we're teaching people to be strong. And it starts with between the ears. Me more than others that I know. I'm huge on trying to convince people they can do stuff that they didn't think they could do one at one minute, one minute earlier. Yeah. I'm huge on that. Yeah. I'll push people. So I said to myself, I don't want it, my grandkid to ever see me up here, down here, up here, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I ventured back into the whole facilibin, uh, microdose and mushrooms and all that. And I jumped back into it and I just, what do you I, mean jump back into it? Somebody had introduced, introduced so, oh, it somebody to you had, dude, dude, I had people telling me, I had doctors tell me you're the you're you're the guy. You're the guy that could revolutionize. You're the person that needs to microdose the most, Gallo. Yeah. You're the guy because you're funny here. You're freaking pissed off here. You're funny. You're, and everybody loves you. But 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 imagine if you could just be like this. So I said, okay, let me let me start reading. So I started reading. My guy came and visited me. Two hours in my gym in the garage. He's like, listen. He's like, I want you to microdose. And he goes, I want you to take six days straight. And at the end of each day, when your day is done, for me, it's 637-ish. I want you to look back and say, was that a good day? So, so in other words, he's putting in layman's terms for me. Yeah. He's not all clinical. Check your blood pressure. Check. He just says, at the, at when you're done and you're heading up the stairs, look back on your day and say, was it a good day? And if you can string together six good days, microdosing's for you, dude. And I'm, I'm, I'm microdosing every day since. And you love it. No, uh, it's the, it's the best, it's the best, uh, uh plant-based medicine in, in the world. And I, I'd beg anybody to argue with me about it. And explain the medicinal, like, uh, value of how it works with the human brain and what it does for us. Because right now you got people okay, so judging, listen, going, oh, this guy's so doing shrooms now. You so have, give me the whole medical thing behind it. Well, they well they are well they you are shrooms. Yeah, well they are shrooms because right. I choose because I choose not to take the capsule forms, which are legal in Oakland, which are legal in Portland, uh, and then they're this close to San Diego. I think COVID kicked back that whole thing too. Yeah. But San Diego is this close. But anyway, with that being said, um, it's a plant based medicine. So instead of going to a guy in a way, I, I get a kick out of the people who their kids have the sniffles and they go right to the doctor. Right. Well, well, you're their parent. Can't you figure it out? Yeah. What, what do you need him for? Have him call on a script if that's the problem. Right. Stop going to a building with a doctor in it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I've been saying that since I had yeah. my first kid. So anyhow, I start taking and then and then I'm like, all right. So then a day good, day's good, a day's good. And then all this stuff starts, you know, everyday life starts happening, a flat tire, tire blows. And, and then I'm just taking it, I'm making a phone call. Yeah, my, my tire blew, but please. Hyundai sends the trailer. Nothing's bothering me, nothing. Then Christmas comes. I, uh, my credit cards get hacked, huge, huge. I won't even go into it, but huge. Somebody took my identity right around the holidays, December 2nd all the way into January. So I got to go Christmas shopping, you know? Yeah. My daughter, I called my daughter and I said, hey, uh, will you go to the mall with me? And she's like, oh, dad, you can't go anywhere by yourself. I go, no, I can go by myself, but I want you to help me get the sizes and everything for all the kids. Plus, we got to get stuff for the baby. And uh, we go in there. We're there three and, and a hold half. Hold on, hold on. First, she says you can't go anywhere because you can't deal with crowds. What's... Yeah, I can't. I can't go to a mall. Yeah. Pete, your kids know that. Oh, dude, they know that. I can't even go. I can't go to the Ralph's by myself. Is it man. just your patience? Back just, in the day. Yeah, because I got no time for this. I don't, yeah, it's just, I just want somebody there with me. It's crazy, dude. Yeah. And this is what I'm getting at. My kids, know, your kids know you better than anyone else, yeah. you know? 
So she says, oh, you just, I go, no, I want you to go because of the sizes and everything. Oh, you're going to go there and go, oh, they got it. They got it all. They got it all teed up. You're going to go there for a half hour. You're not going to like it. You're going to pick on everybody and go home. I go, no, listen, dude, three and a half hours. They even dragged me into that Abercrombie and with the music and the, and the dark, dude, they need to blow that store up. But anyway, why is the music got to be that loud? I'm trying to shop. <laughs> They got to blow that story. Dude, up. they got to blow it up. So then I stopped. Listen, I even stopped at the new uh, uh, San Diego soccer. And I talked to uh, your guy. Yeah, yeah the California No, soccer your one. guy wasn't there, but I talked to his guy who loved, dude, he knows you. Oh, everything. Yeah. So I'm talking to him and my daughter's looking at me like, like who's this guy? Yeah. And I go, hey, sweetheart, you want to, I'm there three and a half hours. I go, hey, you want to go to lunch on the way home? You're not going to take me to lunch. You're going to say, go home. I, I make the, because I always say, I make the better food. Yeah. So I take her to lunch. Dude, we're out five hours. She looks at me and she goes, keep taking them mushrooms. Yeah, dude, that's one for instance. Yeah. Then if you would ask Heidi, she said, dude, my, dude, nothing bothers me. I'm like this all the so time. Give me the medical, like the medicinal. So the way. What you studied. So I bought the, I bought, I bought, I went to a reputable guy. Remember, I did my homework. Yeah. Everything I do, I, I think out. And it's kind of, it's kind of nauseating and it bugs people. But everything I do, I think out. Yeah, you're I'm not an impulse. Yes, I do. So I buy it from a reputable guy and I buy the actual mushrooms because I'm not buying a capsule because I don't want to dissolve the cap and I don't know what's in it. Yeah. So I get the actual mushrooms in a jar. It's got a crystal and it's got all the verbiage on it. And, uh, and I bought it. I went on Amazon. I bought a, a, a grinder. Yep. And then I bought a, a scale. So, so I'm, in, I'm into this industry $131. That's it. Yeah. So all I do is I take the, the mushrooms out, I grind them up, and I get to a 0.15 to, to 0.2, somewhere in that range. Yeah. You know, so I'm not sitting there tweaking on it. So every morning I take, I take it, and what it does is, so everybody has chemicals dropping into their, dropping into their, their mind right. to get them through a day. Yep. Now, some people that are just great have everything calculating at one time, dropping in, everything's good. I don't possess the one that makes me handle anything. Like I, I don't have the one, I don't even, I don't know what it's called, but I don't have the one drainage pipe in my brain that just lets me, oh, flat tire, okay, calm down. Is everybody okay? Me, oh, what the, what this fucking, oh my, I don't need this. right. You know, that was me. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're dumb, I, I, can't, I can't put up with, with dumb people or, or people, you know, I gave you the, uh, the yeah. CFS shirt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, common sense. Uh, I actually uh, thought you were going to wear that today. No, the deadliest disease in the world, and everybody lost their common sense. It's it's ridiculous. CFS. Oh, dude, I uh, I posted about CFS. Uh, somebody came up to me at at uh, at reps, uh, and they said, "Hey, Mister Gallo, what do you think of uh, of COVID nineteen? And I go, "Well, uh, I I uh, I got the I got the one disease nobody else has." And they go, "What?" And I go, "CFS." And I go, "Common fucking sense." And they post that on Twitter. Two point. 13 million people saw it. Ian Smith from Jersey. Yeah. He, he reposted it on his, uh, on his, he thought it was the best thing oh in the world. And all I was doing was shooting from the hip. That's yeah. all I was doing. Yeah. So I made shirts. I sold them. I sold a hundred shirts in like a, a weekend. Anyhow, that's so funny. That's for, I gave you one. You did. So anyway, so I guess I wasn't, I wasn't getting the chemical I needed to be, to be like this. Yeah. I was here. I was there. But, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of these parents, they take if if a kid's not acting right or not right. saying, right, yeah. they take them right to a doctor. Yeah. And what do they give them? They give them, like, uh, well, what what well, Adderall? What's the stuff they're giving kids for ADHD? Ritalin, yeah, all the letters. Well, How my, does that stuff compare to, sh okay, to so, microdosing? So, 
well, listen, dude, why would you, why would you take something that has 33, if if this happens, diarrhea, you ever hear those commercials? Yeah. The whole thing. Could cause heat, could cause stroke. Uh, Don't, don't operate. Bleeding out of your eyes. So you're going to give an 18 year old something that could impair his driving, but then tell him to go to school. What? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So anyway, so the only way I could do it was to read about it, study it, and then actually take it. And I have already turned seven of my clients onto it. And it's hands down a game changer, dude. Yeah. But people don't do it because they say what you Oh, shrooms. Right. I'm going to buy it. Because yeah, that's well, what people are normally. But what's the difference between, between buying a bottle of shrooms and buying a bottle of Ritalin? What's the difference? Yeah. Because the guy in a lab coat said, well, well I said. Because shroom, the microdosing, there are no like negative side effects. There's nothing. You don't even know you're on it. But what it does is at moments of torture or moments of trauma on a, on a small scale, it allows you just to get through it. Yeah. You get through it and you have a good day as opposed to, oh, well, lunchtime, a freaking, oh, duh. And who wants to hear that, man? I'm 50 and my grandkid doesn't want to hear that. Our number one uh, interview so far, uh, Jeremy, uh, he talks about microdosing. Yeah, and I, uh, I listened and he's way more informative to me. Yeah. But again, I'm not talking to the doctor now and i'm not talking again i'm not trying to change anybody's mind all i'm telling you is that if you know keith gallo you love keith gallo or you hate keith gallo you know i'm not gonna lie to you and you know i'm not in here trying to sell a product that i'm part of i'm not i don't want to be part of it all i know is that every day i better have my mushrooms underneath the counter and i better i better twist the cap here and and eat them that's it because i want to be a better human being and i want my grandson to see the best grandpa I don't want him to see the grant. He'd never know who he's going to get, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so you got forgiving yourself in 2008. You got turning your, your will and your life over to the care of God. And then all of a sudden I, I get an invite to a, to a, to a men's group, uh, by you. And I'm thinking to myself, and you'll admit that you, you, you weren't sure I was going. Correct. Yeah, emerge. Well, because right? you, yeah, emerge. Emerge with awakened church. Grace sixty hours of of, of this decade, two thousand twenties no by doubt. far. No doubt, no doubt. But I'm also going with a guy that I respect, that I love, and that is that is wholesome. That is that you you don't have a bone in your body that would hurt me, yeah. and that's why I got my car and drove down there. Yeah. Now, if you were flimsy, wish you was, I wouldn't have went because I don't want to be around twenty seven hundred men. But maybe, <laughs> but maybe I need to be. Right. Maybe that's where I needed to be, and I'll tell you what. Another God thing that's happened to me. Dude, I was I was under the weather going there, dude. I know. I was. And yeah. then when I got to your house, you said you were a little. Oh, yeah. I, I was okay. battling. But I'll tell you this, 100%, on my son's head, for the time I pulled in to the time I left, I didn't feel a thing. Yeah. I wasn't sick. I didn't sniffle. I didn't lose sleep. I, nothing. God had me. Jesus had me. And he had me right where I needed to be, dude. And I didn't talk a lot, and I definitely wasn't rah-rah because the rah-rah, I'm telling you, the rah-rah people, I still got, I still got to find a way yeah. to accept those people. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, dude, I, th- that's exactly where I needed to be, man. Exactly. I and I wish I could have came on this podcast earlier, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop coughing when I got home, so I, I figured I, that's not going to do me any good in here. You'd already yeah. shut me off. Yeah. So, uh, so, here, so here I am. So, dude, uh, and, and we'll and we'll and we'll land this plane now. So, and, and so, let's wrap it up with the. Oh, uh, I want you to ask me. Ask me what you got to ask me. No, so wrap it up with the the final journey of like uh, when you said you you said last year you you accepted Jesus or were saved by Jesus. Was it last year? Yeah, it was. Uh, wow. 
Yes, it was last but year. But does that just give you the, the confidence, like, that's it? That was the main confidence builder with you? Um, like, yeah, I, how I, do you I, feel about that? Like, I've never just, really lacked uh, confidence. It, uh, I mean, like, it, to get through this, not go back to addiction? Yeah. it's uh, well, well, one thing else I want to say about the Another thing I want to say about the addiction for those, for those listening that are struggling. Listen, when you're done, you're done. Okay? When you're done using drugs, yeah. you're done. The problem is, is... You gotta, you gotta figure out a way to do life, to figure out life, dude. Yeah. The drugs, d- dude. Ninety percent of the people who do drugs don't want to be doing drugs. Right. They hate it. Yeah. They like going to buy it though. They like ch- that's the addiction. The addiction isn't being on it. You don't want to be on it after you do it. That's how far yeah. down coming down off. Yes, it sucks. dude. So, so if people are hearing me, dude, you gotta figure out a way to forgive yourself. And to move forward, whether that's one minute at a time, one these people, these these people who are yeah, in two years, in two years, these people might not make it to Tuesday, yeah, right, right. So you got to figure out a way to get Sunday to Sunday, dude. But but there's but there's 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 avenues available, and, and guess where it starts? It starts with you. You got to love yourself. You got to have self worth. Yeah. My grandson's gonna have self worth because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna teach him it. Yeah. Right. Right. Dude, these kids are so far behind the eight ball, dude. The parent, I mean, some of the, some of the, some of the people that have a platform that talk. I yeah. mean, that LeBron James, he says the stupidest shit because he never had a dad. It's, it's not, not that hard to figure out. Yeah. I mean, dude, the guy's constantly saying stupid shit, backed up by nothing. Yeah. But I'm sure, pretty sure, if his old man was alive, he'd smack him in the head, and he would have stopped years ago. And then people would like him. And, and, I mean, and to go back to what you said about my, my platforms, my social media platform, my main driving factor for my putting all my shit out there yeah. is because, as you've said many times, you can't tell people anything. No. You can't, but, all, but all I can do is I can take pride that myself and my family and I, we're going to show oh, dude. the best example. Oh, dude. And if you want to follow it, you can follow it. If you, you don't, you don't. You do it better. You do it. And I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say that you do it better than anybody I've ever met. That, that's what you do. And if you tell me to be somewhere on Sunday for this and then go to, I'm going 100 out of 100 times because yeah. I want to be around you, Rachel, and the kids. That, that's where I want to be, around people like yourself. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Jason and all them, there's going to come a time where I gravitate more to you guys. Yeah. But everybody's got stuff going on in life, man. Yes. Everybody. Everybody. With that being said, you're taking care of JD and look at all the people around you are flourishing. Yeah. So I figured what well, it's about time I do that. Yeah. Be selfish, be self-centered. That's I'm right. telling you people out there, be selfish. If you want to be something today, tomorrow and the next day, be selfish. Yeah. Love yourself. I'm giving you permission. Yeah. Go be selfish. Exactly. Because Keith, you can't, we can't help. And we're going to, we're going to land. We're going to wrap up with this. This, okay. is, this is perfect. Okay. Perfect. This whole entire thing, Keith, we're coming back around to, Selfish mean in selfish meaning you in order to help anybody in order to a drowning man is no help to another drowning man nope. You can't throw an anchor to somebody. Yep. they're gonna sink. Yes, because you're drowning. Yes, you have to work on yourself Yes, to help before you can help anybody exactly. else and you'll die doing it the other way correct Yes, and you'll then doing it the other way. And then nobody wants to freaking hear it yeah. You have to set the best way that you can help those around you. In fact, the only way that you can genuinely help everybody around you, your family, your kids, the friends, your circles, the social media influence that yeah. you have, the only way is by setting the best example possible. Yeah. That's it. Every day. Every day. Yes, dude. And you do that. And that's why I'm And here. I appreciate the words that you yeah. just shared, man. I really do, bro. So, thank that mean, you. That means 
a lot to me because that's why we remember you said about yes eventually it generates revenue for us somehow because yeah. of all the stuff that we have yeah. businesses but the driving factor is i know that we are have a special unity a special relationship a special family and that we are setting a really good example in every single area of life and we want to make sure we show it yeah. so that people can say okay that's possible and so keith dude this was freaking crazy incredible this story yeah. i'm so happy i'm honored that you came in today to share it um and i'm hoping that uh that somebody sees this and if you if you've seen it and you and it's moved you comment if you're still listening this far in by the way we're two and a half hours in <laughs> let's go hey it's funny we could do another two and a half we're just warming up yeah we just guys good. are you good for another two Chris is like Chris. Chris look at two minutes. He Chris, said. Chris is like they're looking at me, going, "Dude, the the camera's about to shut yeah, down." Yeah, it's done. We it's we ran down. the battery dry. We ran the battery dry. I love it, ran the, dude. I love you, man. Love you, dude. And I know for a fact we're going to be drawn in more. Yeah. Okay, but let's just let it flow. We yeah. don't need to force it. We're yeah. both busy. You're busy. I'm busy. Yeah. We got families going on. But an awakened church is bringing yeah. us closer. You yeah. came down for a service. Emerge was yeah. life changing. I'm so proud you made it to that. Um, and Keith, dude, this has been phenomenal. I can't thank you enough for coming to share it. You got it. And on um, behalf of uh, me, Heidi, and my family, uh, we appreciate everything you do for, for us and uh, everybody else around you. Right on, bro. Right. Love you, man. Love you, Doug. Real deal talk. That's All a wrap, right. baby. Uh.